Welcome to Stories with Soul. I am your host, Jamie Ice, musician turned entrepreneur and co-founder of 6th Ave Homes and 6th Ave Storytelling. Over the past 10 years, I have launched multiple successful businesses and have become obsessed with all things entrepreneurship and marketing. I've been on a personal quest to unpack what it takes to make and grow a great brand. One thing that I've discovered is that stories are powerful and that storytelling has the power to set a brand apart. Join me as I dive into the stories of the heavy-hitting leaders, entrepreneurs, artists, and business owners in our community to hear their biggest wins, greatest losses, and their best business secrets. There's a story behind every great brand. Welcome to Stories with Soul. Stories with Soul is brought to you by 6th Ave Storytelling, an organic marketing company building standout brands on the foundation of story. We help small businesses grow by crafting and sharing their stories because when small business thrives, cities and communities prosper. Stories with Soul is brought to you by the Fort Worth Business Press, your source for news and business information in and around Fort Worth. Sign up for the Business Press's twice daily newsletter or become an insider using the storytelling coupon code STORYTELLING10, all one word, to stay up to date with the people, companies, and issues that matter most to Fort Worth. Head to fortworthbusiness.com to subscribe. I am a huge fan of the Business Press. I've been a subscriber for years. It keeps me up to date with everything that is going on in Fort Worth. Love it. Go subscribe for the newsletter. You won't regret it. Welcome to Stories with Soul. We have a very special guest today, John Bonnell. I'm I'm crazy excited you are here. So I'm <laughs> I'm, I'm about to read off your your bio, your kind of your your brag sheet. So I hope I sent you the right one. Well, yeah. it, it's it's impre- impressive. I don't know how you sleep. Thank you. But okay, so you're the chef. John Bonnell is the executive chef and owner of the Bonnell's Restaurant Group. You own Bonnell's Fine Texas Cuisine, Waters, Buffalo Bros. There's a new restaurant on the way, which we're going to talk about. Uh, went to Vanderbilt University and the New England Culinary Institute. Uh, he has written three cookbooks. Mm-hmm. Is that correct? Uh, Just John, wrote a fourth book, but it's not a cookbook. Yep. What, what's in the fourth book is called Carry Out, Carry On: The Ooh. Story of the Pandemic from the Chef's Point of View. And that's like that's a like a longer form book. No, it's it's a shorter book itself. It's only like eighty pages. Quick read. Eighty. <laughs> eighty <laughs> yeah. pages. Cookbooks still, are two twenty. Yeah. It's still, but three cookbooks and a fourth book that just got released. Uh, you have been invited to cook at the James Beard House in New York four times. Okay, then this is crazy. He has appeared on more than one hundred television uh, yeah. cooking appearances, including the Today Show, the Early Morning Show, Good Morning America, ESPN's Game Day, uh, Food Network's Barbecue with Bobby Flay. That's a that's a lot. <laughs> you been uh, at it a while. Also, until recently, you are a long-distance runner and have competed in 71 triathlons. Yep. And you recently were awarded an award specifically from the mayor. Uh-huh. That's, I mean, that's pretty, that's, I don't know when you sleep. That sounds like a lot of stuff. Sleep? <laughs> yeah, what is that? <laughs> All that said, it's impressive. You are a Fort Worth icon. I, I, I would also argue you're probably one of the most just loved people, love chefs, like in Fort Worth. Like that's, everyone. That's very you. kind of you. I appreciate that. Yeah, I would say like the nicest, like genuinely nicest person, like for the reputation around. Yeah. We're going to get into that though. And well, and, and that's kind of so where I wanted to start 
off was 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 around the idea of of, of generosity. Uh, mm-hmm. And so, so the, the first the first time I met you, I, I think, was you you were providing food at an event for the boot campaign, uh-huh. and it was like a, a premiere of Marcus Luttrell's yep. movie. Uh, the the a former manager of Greener Warden. Yeah, Lone Survivor. Yeah, yeah Lone, Lone Survivor. And so I, I think I knew who you were. I'd eaten any restaurants. I was a fan of yours. You were there, super nice. Uh, but it was at a charity event. And then I think since then, I cannot tell you how many charity events or fundraisers or nonprofit things I have been at that you are there and serving and giving food for like it blow it kind of blow, like blows my mind so my, my my initial question is is just one what is like what does it mean to generosity mean to you and where does that come from wow that's a tough one what does generosity mean um i come i come from a long line of it i'm fourth generation fort worth my, my great-grandfather was a cattle rancher here born and my, raised that's born it. and raised okay. my grandfather was a big philanthropist as well and mm-hmm. I looked at it when we opened the restaurant as how, how do you get your word out? How do you reach your audience? And marketing at the time, if you believe when we opened Bonnell's, it was 20 years ago. We, were, we bought an ad in the Yellow Pages, best ad I ever bought. Really? <laughs> yeah, this is a while back. And you just, this, this was your 20th anniversary. You just we just had our 20th last That's week. fantastic. Yeah. But in 2001, the way, you, the way you tried to advertise and reach your people was, was print or radio or TV. And the first time I went to one of these charity events and I saw like a live auction where a chef went up and, you know, gave away a dinner or something like that, I thought, you know what, this room is exactly who we need to be talking to. Mm -hmm. And we came up with a marketing strategy of doing a little bit of print ad. That was pretty much it. We'll put the rest of our money in the yellow pages into, yeah, a print ad (laughs) in the yellow pages, right? Yeah. And then we decided we would put all the rest of our marketing budget into charitable organizations that we vetted and really liked here in the Fort Worth area. And we could either donate food to it, we could donate auction items. Business-wise, it would work the same way for reaching our people and getting our word out. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, the money would all go to a better cause than, yeah. you know, whatever. Than the yellow pages. Lining the bottom of a birdcage, you know, if you get yeah. the newspaper or magazine yeah. or whatever. So <laughs> we kind of started with it as marketing and also So it was like also in your business plan. I mean, this was like yeah. a part of how you were going to drive business. Yeah. But it also, since I've gotten to know you a little bit, it also seems like that it overflows from your character, too. It seems like, you, like you're also passionate about these things as well. It's hard for me to say no. I'm, I'm the worst. <laughs> My wife's like, just, just how many boards do you want to be on before you say, I don't have any time and anymore? You, this says you've been on 16 charitable mm-hmm. boards. Is that true? It's true. Wow. Yeah, that's pretty. But what I, what I, what I think is, is, is crazy about that, and it's inspiring to me, is, is a anytime you say yes to something, when you say yes to being on a board, when you say yes to I will give money, you know, mm-hmm. give food to an event, you're saying no to something else. Like, because it costs you it's time not. and money and energy and resources. Yeah, we finally did have to say here, here are some parameters for, for how we give. Um, mm-hmm. I love to give to schools, but you know how many schools are in this area? Uh-huh. <laughs> a lot more than, than, than you could think. So if we give to every single school, then we'd, we're out of budget in no time. So yeah. When it comes to schools, it needs to be just a few where either our kids go or just in our area. So putting the putting the parameters on it is, is difficult. We say yes to so many, mm-hmm. it feels offensive when a charity asks and we say, I'm, I'm sorry, that one's not going to work. Yeah. Yeah. So, but but that's, that's as many as we can. But it was a part of the art of like, man, this is something we want to do from day one. Like that's a big yeah. part of it. And, and I think that's like that I, you have built a reputation on that. I think like people know you. Like the reason I asked the generous question is because you 
are known and seem like just as a very generous person with your, with your time and, and resources and all, all, all of that. Well, thank you. And honestly, the, the staff has been great when we say, hey, we're going we're gonna to do a fundraiser tonight. It's non-paid. Anybody want to come do it with us? I mean, the hands go up. Oh, the staff yeah. volunteers when they do that? A lot of times they do. Not really? always, but a lot of times we get tons of staff help too. Mm. That's really, mm-hmm. that's cool. Um, what well, take us back. So re, doing a little research. So doing some research last night. You Googled, so, didn't you? <laughs> I was doing some Googling. And so you, you were a teacher before this? Yeah. So you went to school to be to like for education? Yeah. So when I went to Vanderbilt, they had the number one education department in the nation. Uh-huh. And I, um, it was, that was my major was, was education. And that's and what I, you had wanted to do growing yeah. up. And uh, you know, I wouldn't say growing up. When I got to college, I kind of shifted gears and yeah. picked up the major and said, this, this is where I want to go. Uh-huh. I love teaching kids. And uh, I taught middle school and high school math and science for okay. about two and a half years in Dallas, a couple of different schools. I taught at the Winston School and the Hockaday School. And I, I enjoy the teaching, but I, I couldn't handle three months off in the summer. I didn't. Oh, really? You were just like bored? I, was, I had nothing to do and, That's why and, people and get nobody the job. not to do it with. How's that? People get the job, right? Not really. But it, I would love to have three months off in the summer right now and a, and a full vacation at yeah. Christmas and spring yeah. break. Those so, sound great. But so you were bored like, you were like I'm going to go cook then? Straight out of college, single guy, yeah. and didn't have any kind of wingman, and I was bored. And the Food Network literally had just started. And I noticed that in all my spare time, all I ever did was cook stuff. I was watching the original Essence of Emerald shows, the Malto Mario's, PBS had the Great Chef series, and I was just hooked on this stuff. Okay. And I had been cooking all my life with my parents, yeah. and it suddenly just kind of, you know, hit me one of those, you know, I should be cooking for a living. This is what I do all the time. Yeah. Somebody on some show said, this chef went to culinary school, and I went, culinary school? We never, we never talked about that in my household. It was, yeah. you go to school, you go to college. We didn't, we didn't discuss vocational schools. It wasn't as, as, as common to talk about at that time. So that's, I, but that's I went interesting. And I feel like most, most people are like I wanted to do this my whole life, but you. It, well, I'm you're, classic you're attention a young twenty-something. You're single and you're cooking all the time. That's yeah. how you know you're and meant bored, to be a chef. And bored. Like maybe I was supposed yeah, to yeah. do this, right? Yeah. What, what I, other young twenty-year-old is like? I'm gonna just cook for fun. Yeah. Like, well, I also <laughs> think that that this is. I mean, just reading this this giant bio that I just read. You know, seventy-one triathlons and all. You do not do well with being bored. It's like you do you, you correct. You need to be. Now, part of the link that something. also means that I'm just old, but. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so no, I, sitting still doesn't doesn't do well for me. Doesn't resonate. Just, I can either do absolutely zero and sit around and and you know start feeling depressed about how little you're getting done. I'll say this: when I was a teacher in the summer, I never could seem to get the lawn mowed. I had nothing to do and I couldn't manage to get it done. When I was teaching and coaching sports and everything, not a problem at all. Uh-huh. Busy works for me very well. I'm very classic attention deficit disorder. It's actually ADHD. They don't even use ADD anymore, but very much need like five windows open at once. I so can, were you like that yeah. as a kid? Yeah, absolutely. You were kind of like all over the place? Not with the hyperactivity part. Just your brain opens up every window and thinks of everything at the same time. So do, do you have a hard time being present with people? Like when you when you are like home and sitting? Like I feel like I'm present, but I got five things that I'm also <laughs> present thinking. with. Right? I can almost see it in your all eyes. All the channels are on. When I walked yeah. in and I was watching, I was like, look, every one of oh, these the, TVs, I could see all of them at the same time. You know, it's the, I mean, the lobby here has all these TVs and they're all playing different things. And, yeah. And, the and, entire place. I'm like, man. And we jump awesome. from Stimulus conversation from to TV to conversation to TV. Yeah. And yeah. Anyways, yep. it's, it's like my wife's computer that has like 
50 windows open at any given time. That's, that's I'm watching them all. That's John Vanell's brain. <laughs> no problem. Yeah. And that, that world feels very normal to me. Okay. I, I love that. You like well, a little chaos? A little a little bit of chaos. I like a lot of things going at once, and it's uh-huh. good. When I'm in the restaurant talking with a table, I can hear the ticket printer going up. I know which one just came in. He just bought a big bottle of wine over there. I can see who's going to get it. All right, that's great. And the phone's ringing. I need to go talk to her and tell her it's his birthday before I, need, I go back to that table. I need a drink. After that sentence, right? Yeah. I just, just right when that's there, all going at once, just the <laughs> symphony. So, so that's, yeah. probably, that's probably your super. That's your superpower, I would assume. <laughs> yeah. That's also probably your Achilles heel. It's got to be annoying as hell for like, everybody what else. Your, what does your wife say? <laughs> does your wife get annoyed about it? I, I mean, I, I, one time I was like, I told my wife, look, here, here's a book that I usually recommend to people about attention deficit disorder. She's like, hell, what I need a book. I'm pretty sure I got this. I got the out. walking definition in my house. Yeah, yep. yeah. That's that's a, okay. <laughs> so it, what it what it usually means when somebody is on the the ADD side, it, it means that it's not that you can't focus on anything, yeah. that you don't really get to choose what you focus on, and there's almost always an element of hyper focus. Mm-hmm. So when I got into cooking, I didn't want to make a grilled cheese. I want to learn how to make everything. Mm-hmm. I wanted to go all the way with it. Wow, you I go mean, hard, you go hard. Exactly. I get into hobbies and I cannot stop. I started saying, okay, I want to lose a little bit of weight, get in shape. I lost 20% of my body weight. I, I got down to 150 pounds when I was running for a while, which was lighter than I should be. But I was yeah. like, I, I ran a 5k. Oh my God, I want to do a half marathon. I want to do something else. At 12 years later, I'm I was in Hawaii running the Ironman. I mean, I was like, I got I got to try for like something the world, harder. the World Series sort I, of. A, yeah, that's the World Championships. I got in on a, a charity qualif- spot. Okay. I am not qualified to run the World Championship <laughs> on an Ironman distance. But, by any and means, how long but is Ironman? 140.6 miles. That's yeah. insane. Yeah, 2.4 miles in the water, 112 on the bike, and then a full marathon run. And was that fun or were you dying? I thought it was absolutely awesome. It was the <laughs> hardest day of my life. I mean, it feels like torture, and yet the whole time you're like, I can't believe they let me do this. So, yeah. so I, I, I actually read hyperfocus, and he and he gets to think about the 15 other things during that right. whole time, and, and no headphones you know? the yeah. whole time. So you're just in your own head the whole day. That's and do weird. you do well with that? Yeah. Because you like, don't, I don't need a podcast. I no, I, I want to be in the moment. Yeah. Okay, so I I read too that it, when you were in in, in Hawaii for, uh-huh. for that, you all, you beat out Gordon Ramsay, who was also. Oh, that was that same race, yeah. Yeah, and you beat him. That's in my head. I had to laugh. So he was he was one of the celebrity uh, contestants that year. Yeah. Um, oh gosh, who was the other guy? Uh, he, he was the Hobbit. Uh, oh, uh, little guy with the cool eyes. Yeah, Rudy. <laughs> Yeah, the guy that played Rudy. <laughs> who's who's, 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 who's Rudy? podcast with him. Yeah. Elijah. Is it Elijah? No, 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 no. Rudy. The, uh, yeah, we're oh, just going to call him oh, Rudy. The Samwell. Yes. Sam. Yeah. We're just going to call him Rudy since okay. we don't know so actors' those names Those are the here. two. We apologize <laughs> right. if you guys ever see this. Sean Astin. Boom. Okay, there yes. we go. And Gordon Ramsay were the two celebrity contestants that year. And now and I was. smoked them. Well, but I wouldn't say hobbit. smoked him. I, I did come in fast. He is a, but, hobbit. I mean, he is a hobbit. It's not it's like a, it's fair. It's a serious disadvantage. <laughs> so when I looked at it, I was like, oh, my God, I'm not competing on, on this kind of race. I'm trying to see if I can do it. Yeah. Right? So. This episode of Stories with Soul is brought to you by 6th Ave Storytelling. At 6th Ave Storytelling, we know that stories aren't just for bedtime. They're powerful marketing tools, and we've seen what they can do want to see for yourself, download our free PDF, The Storytelling Pathway, on our website, 6thAvStorytelling.com. It's everything your business needs to be successful. This is what I've used to grow my businesses and hundreds of others. It's a strategy that has led to number one albums, built large followings, and has helped generate millions of dollars in revenue 
thousands of leads and tons and tons of traffic. I've seen client after client reach their goals, which is why I'm crazy excited to share it with you today. I'm offering this for free because it's my personal mission to support small business owners and entrepreneurs no matter where they are at on their journey. Because small businesses are the heartbeat of a city and they really are what make it special. Sixth Avenue Storytelling has helped brands across the country grow their business using these exact steps. Head to sixthavstorytelling.com and download the storytelling pathway to get your step-by-step guide today. Stories with Soul is brought to you by Fort Worth Business Press. The Fort Worth Business Press has been instrumental for me as a business owner. They were actually the first publication to ever cover Sixth Avenue Homes and also Sixth Avenue Storytelling, which were huge, huge wins for our companies. I also have been following along for years. I've been a subscriber. It has allowed me to keep up to date with everything that is happening in the business community and see what other business owners are doing and just stay involved in all sort of the economic development of what is happening in Fort Worth. Worth. If you are in any way involved in business, you should go subscribe and sign up for their publication, uh, sign up for their twice daily newsletter. And, and, and they're actually offering a storytelling discount right now. If you listen to the podcast, become an insider using the storytelling code storytelling 10, all one word, lowercase to stay up to date with the people and companies and issues that matter most visit fortworthbusinesspress.com to sign up today. Pros are coming in at eight hours. I'm on the 14 hour kind of mark. Okay, 17 yeah. hours is the cutoff. Like you didn't make it. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, I want to try to make this well into the cutoff. I got goals in mind, but in my head, I was like, wait a minute, Gordon Ramsay's running this. <laughs> yeah. You got some oh. chef competition. I think brewery. out of, out of, you know, and you have to yell at him as out of about 2,500 people. There's likely only two chefs in this. We're not, we're not known yeah. as the athletic, uh, the chefs are not typically, <laughs> not, not typically. <laughs> no, so no. I was like, all right, there's a new category. It's just the chef's division, and I think we're the only two. So if I <laughs> happen to be near last. that guy, I want to beat him. Otherwise, I'm just competing in my own head. And I, I saw him coming on the on the bike. I saw him coming out of Javi, which is which is after all the really windy spots and everything. And he didn't have any glasses on. I thought, man, this, he didn't look very good. Yeah. And I passed him, and I looked over my shoulder the rest of the entire day and into the night, and I kept thinking, where is this guy? Uh-huh. And you go out and back, so you see people coming. I thought, man, there's... If he passed me, I'm going to be so mad. <laughs> and then later on, somebody sent me a picture. Um, TMZ had a picture of him throwing up on the side of the road. They, oh, pull, they no pulled him way. out of the race. No. Oh, no. wow. Now, he ran it the year before. He and couldn't did, hang. And he couldn't great, hang with John Bonnell. But he missed yeah. it that year, so feels like a win. I'll tell you, that's in that immature way, category, right? you kicked some ass. <laughs> and, <did you> speed <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah, he came in at right under 17 hours. But, hey, good on him for, for doing yeah. it. He made it. He completed the Ironman course in Hawaii, and that is hard to do. That's impressive. Okay, okay. We have already <laughs> way sidetracked. I like it. I, I like this a lot. <laughs> okay, so going back, you're you're a teacher, and you're yep. cooking, and you're just like, I just went to school for four years. Screw it. I'm going to go to culinary school. Yeah, and a real cheap one, too. Vanderbilt, they're just giving it away. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, cheap. Yeah, I've already got a career, and it's working. And so and did you resign? Did you, like, tell? Like, I did. Um, I got offered, actually, kind of a, a big move up, kind of head of the science department. So you were stuff. A, good, a good teacher, I guess. I, I thought so, and I really enjoyed doing it. But I thought, I, I can't be in this lifestyle, this exact pattern at, at this point in my life. Mm-hmm. And what were you, cook- were you, what were you cooking? 
Like anything I saw on TV, I was like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try to make that. I'm gonna go see if I can find those ingredients. Watching TV, yeah, the pro stuff. Oh man, Food Food Network had a big influence, and that was when it first started, and it was all professional chefs. Mm -hmm. It was not the, uh, it it was not the talk shows, the Rachel Ray's and stuff. This was 100% professional stuff, and I was just hooked. And so I started interviewing at schools, and I called one, and they said, Yep, we get this call a lot. Don't take this wrong, but if you've never worked in the industry, you don't know what cooking is. Mm -hmm. You got three months off. Go get a job in the industry. Work for a restaurant that has a chef, not a chain, not a fast food place. Go find a restaurant that has a chef and tell them you work for free. I mean, you're getting paid year round as a teacher. Just get some experience. And after you've worked in the industry and the hours and seen what it's like, we will accept you. So you did, I can tell you, you right it? now. Did I you did. It? Where'd you work? I worked in Dallas. I walked into a restaurant called the Riviera it okay. was near my neighborhood. And, and I said, can I speak with the chef? And of course they're like, oh my God, what's wrong? You know, here comes a complaint. I was like, uh-huh. no, I'm looking for a job. And they're like, never come in during a busy service and ask that question. Oh, okay. Lesson number one, don't yeah, go ask okay, for the chef yeah. in the middle of service. Got it. So I got an application and he said, you know, we're, we've got a, a new place up uh, just North Dallas called Mediterraneo and they're looking for a guy on the salad line. So I was literally plating salads and desserts, not, not cooking much, just plating. Yeah. But as you're working, I would go in about two thirty, three in the afternoon and work till midnight. Mm-hmm. That's a dinner chef. We might feed 250 people that night and yeah. everybody next to you, this is the hot apps guy. And then there's the saute guy. And then there's the, the sous chef in the middle who's making all the plates and coordinating the tickets. And he never stops talking with his, you know, okay, order fire pickup. I need two steaks, medium rare. Give me a fish. Give me. I just sat there looking at this world like, this is where I need to be. Oh, you, it resonated. Yeah. So there's, it was like, there's so, a dude on the grill, sous chef, saute. Everybody had their spot, and it looked like mass chaos, fires blowing up everywhere, and all these amazing dishes going out, charging high dollar for another. I got to, so I got to get all it. into this. And so the, you, I, I feel like that we, is we've heard we've heard this type of story over and over again. Yeah, someone get like. Carrie, <clears throat> Carrie with Mel was talking about how yep. I want to do ice cream. So I, I shoot it like I was trying to get an internship. She's like, I will work anywhere. I just want to learn about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but that, but I think that's, you, you look at you, at you now, I've written all these books and all these TV shows, but it, it starts with a humility to say, I'm a I'm, full immersion. Like, I'm just going to go grind Throw me in. Yep. Okay. So when will? I went to culinary school in uh, New England Culinary Institute up in Vermont, and they run nine different restaurants, and you're going to okay. work every spot in every restaurant. Part of it is they're getting free labor. Well, yeah. better than free labor, you're paying them. But it's a good experience. It is. From a fine dining restaurant to a bar and grill to a pastry shop, we, uh, we ran a college cafeteria, a bakery, wow. so many different ways of seeing the industry. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, National Life Insurance is, is based there, and they do 650 people at their building for lunch every day. The school does that. Oh, my so gosh. It's, it's every aspect of the industry you could see in a two-year time period. It's mm-hmm. a really fast, accelerated way of learning how to cook in lots of different atmospheres, you know, everything from casual to fine dining. Sure. And I learned how to... I learned how to carve ice, do ice carvings with a chainsaw and decorate wedding cakes. Can something you still I, do that? Uh, no. <laughs> how much How much would I have to pay you to carve me an ice sculpture? <laughs> I will take you to a guy who can carve ice, and we'll sit there and mess with it together. The first few cuts when you start throwing the chainsaw around, super fun. Uh-huh. Trying to get the details with the little chisels and stuff yeah. at the very end. Really hard. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, you want to go? You want to yeah. go see what ice carving is all about? This is you. You have a guy. Oh yeah. <laughs> got an ice carving. Got to have an ice guy. You, yeah. You, you got an ice guy. You, you don't have an ice guy. <laughs> 
Uh, so you, awesome. so you liked so school. You you liked. I loved it. it. And it's the most stressful thing ever. When you do bakery class, you go in at seven o'clock at night, and you're done at seven in the morning. You bake all night because all the croissants and pastries and everything need to be ready. Yeah, everybody's yeah. going to work. Yeah, okay. When you did, when when we had, I would our, never have thought about that. I get that makes sense. Right, when we met our instructors, they're like, ever seen us before? No, we're bakers. Yeah, <laughs> welcome to our life. We're not You've never people. seen us. Yeah, wow. Okay. You work yeah, all that's night. True. So what what did what did your parents say? They just paid for college, I'm assuming. Yeah. And so then, this was one of those, all right, I'm, I'm changing gears. And that's a, and, respect, a respectable yeah. job. I'm a math and science teacher. Yeah. I, I, I felt like I was doing pretty well. Uh-huh. And I said, all right, this is something I've, I've been looking at. I didn't, I didn't tell them I was going to interview or anything. I had already done all the research, and I had already gotten accepted. And I was going to start the next, the next year. Um, and they said, that just sounds like the most fun thing ever. And I was oh, like, okay. well, wow. I went and looked at the school, and I think it sounds really fun, but watching everybody work, it don't seem like you're having fun. It's, it's, it's hard mm-hmm. stuff. It's, it's labor. I mean, you're working with your hands, and you're on yeah. your feet all day. They don't put chairs in kitchens. Yeah. So were they supportive of you? Were they, like, so they were like, They were completely supportive. Like, this, wow. if this is what you yeah. want to do, absolutely. It was just me and the dog. It's like, you know, it's not, <laughs> not like I had a... An entire family to uproot and move and, and yeah. change lifestyles or anything. So were they were they always pretty like? Were you, did you come from a pretty supportive family? Extremely supportive. I I grew up with two great parents, mm-hmm. and they both loved to cook. My dad okay, was a really? dentist, and and my mom she could cook anything if it was in a book. Didn't matter how fancy, how mm-hmm. classic French. Didn't matter. My dad liked to say, "What if we did like a whole pig?" He wanted to yeah. do the outdoor seat of your pants approach, and so I I was around a lot of that growing up. We were always hunting and fishing. Always had wild game around, and so 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 that's one of the one of the things in, in my in my googling is is it was a quote that said you're one of the foremost experts on fine wild game, and I was like, <laughs> there you go. that's a specialty. But yeah. that part of that was you grew up hunting and fishing. I grew up in the outdoors a bunch. My brother, yeah. my dad, and I were always chasing something. So okay, we always had something in the freezer, and that was the first stuff that I learned to cook. Was uh, always you know. Wild turkey, dove, ducks, venison, quail, that kind of Which stuff. Which is kind of hard to cook. Like it's it is. A, it's a, and it's an acquired taste. and it's. But we always got excited about it. If I yeah. saw quail on a menu, I was like, man, I got to get that. Because in my head, I'm thinking of the best experiences. Quail hunting with my dad over a dog and my That's brother. That's exactly right. That, yeah. in my head, if it says venison on the menu, I'm already in a good place. Mm-hmm. Because of the memories with your dad. Exactly. And your, and your, where did y'all grow up hunting? Right around Fort Worth. So just, just west of Fort Worth, we okay. luckily had access to all the, the Walsh Ranch stuff. No way. Yeah. I'm part of that family. I, oh, I'm, really? You know, twig on a branch, on a leaf, on a tree. But and the we, Walsh family. Yeah, so yeah. I'm... Um, it's a beautiful that, that's ranch. ranch land that we always had access to go hunt. Oh, and wow. So we, Some huge bucks. I, I mean, oh, yeah. Yeah, there, there were no deer on it when we were kids. There's deer now because of all the development. Yeah. Uh-huh. When I was at, when I was in you know 13, 14 years old, my brother's a few years older. As soon as he got his driver's license, we could dove or duck hunt before school and make it to first bell. Oh, how no cool problem. is that? Yeah. Wait, where'd, where'd you go to high school? Uh, I went to Country Day and then went to Arlington Heights. Oh, okay, cool. Yep. And so y'all would go hunting before that. I'm there you go. Of that experience. Yeah. <laughs> and and I think there's something. Have you have you gotten to to spread sort of that out outdoor life to your kids? Like to your kids? Absolutely. My kids love it. That one of the favorite things the weekend before Thanksgiving, we always go to our one favorite spot and go deer and turkey. That's right. So for for my family, we grew up. Uh, deer hunting, we ate venison, I mean, year round, right? And yeah. whenever I think of, whenever I go to your restaurant, I always get the quail because 
my granddad, my, my pa, you know, his favorite thing to eat was quail. I mean, that was, that was like, if you found some blue quail walking around, there I mean, go. man, they were dead and they were, we were eating them right then. <laughs> and I mean, but that Still is, shot. I ordered this, that at your restaurant every time because of that memory that I have from hunting. And then we, me and my boys, we, you know, deer hunt every Thanksgiving, you know, for basically 10 days straight. And that, that experience, there's something about that where yeah. we kill a deer and, you know, sorry to the anti hunters out there, but I mean, we, we take the liver right then and fry it up that night, you know, sure. and, and then process the rest of the meat and stuff. And there's something just amazing about that, the, right? The full connection to full your, connection to your food, to yeah. your food mm-hmm. and, and to family. I mean, I would say there's, there's two things that really made me want to do wild game on a menu, not mm. exclusively wild game, but I like to put in as much as possible. One, yeah. Texas has some incredibly well-run farm-raised you know, products out there. Sure. We have quail farms like Diamond H that are the best. They're the only guys I'll ever use. Broken Absolutely. Arrow Ranch Venison. So we're, we're known for that. And we wanted to do Texas cuisine. But just like you were talking about, families come in. Guys say, you know what? I want to bring my nephew in because we go hunting together. This is where we want to go have dinner. Yeah, that's right. And the experience is already kind of built into it. Yeah. So I, what's it, what's really it interesting you saying, like some of my favorite memories with my dad uh, I was talking to my wife about this was, was going hunting and she yeah. and she was she was like did y'all talk a lot I'm like no we didn't really <laughs> we were like listen to music on the drive but just like I think there's just something of sitting there being in the presence of your father outside sure. some, some of my best memories too yeah, it's shared experiences that are real you're not on your phone the whole time you're, yeah. you're actually in the moment and my grandfather said a long time ago and I always tell my kids that he had a, he had a rule he said you know the more sunrises you watch the longer you're gonna live Ooh, and that's every a good time quote. we go like out that. you know every time you're out in the woods you get to your spot in the dark and you're looking for that's deer right. or turkeys yeah. and as soon as it just starts to come alive when the day starts opening up the first little light where you can barely see with binoculars you can't quite see it and then yeah. all the birds come alive we yep. had a raccoon walk within a couple of feet of you and not know you were there. All these little things that you can't predict. You're an invader in their world. Every one of them is a completely different experience. It's always fun to me. Yeah. You hear the deer, you know. Yeah, they snort at you when you, at you yeah. when they smell you. Smell you. Yeah, man. It is the, the best. The more and sunrises you see, the longer you're going to live. I, I believe it. That's a, good, that's a good quote. It's good for your soul to once in a while just check out it probably helps it helps your add tune out a little bit that's right it makes you slow if that forces you to slow down Mm. okay so so quitting (laughs) being a teacher going to to the timeline going back to the time taking us taking us back so family is very supportive i think that's a really neat just glimpse into to how how you were shaped i just had Um, incredibly supportive parents and family and so you so so going into culinary school was was there like a vision of I want to own my own restaurant or I want to work for restaurants? I just like the industry. Was I thought I did. And at the time, you know, I thought I'm just getting started. And all of the chefs at culinary school are like, do not just jump out of culinary school and open your place. You're going to lose a ton of money. I mean, it happens over and over and over. Even with people that are experienced, they Mm -hmm. open and lose. But restaurants are really, really financial risks. Yeah. So. um, And why would you say that that? I think most people don't have enough experience and and you got to really see a lot of kitchens and you got to kind of understand the business side. You can cook the best food in the world. I said the most 
most important chef, if you had, if you had interviewed, you know, five, 10 years ago, every major chef that you've ever heard of and said, who's the most important chef in the world? They'd probably land on Farron Adria, the guy from Spain who had Il Bouli, an absolute genius in the kitchen in creativity. He was a true artist. He did the spherifications. He did foams. Every time he would introduce something new, something wild, the entire world was like, okay, now we're doing that. Can you say his name one more time? Farron Adria. Okay. Lost 240000 a year at his restaurant. There were oh years to, to get <laughs> to get a reservation at his restaurant uh-huh. was like six, seven years out. And yet somehow business-wise, they didn't make it work financially. Wow. Just being a great chef and cooking great food does not make you any money. Mm-hmm. You have to put an entire package together and it's food and beverage and labor and all of it. I mean, when I... When I say, you know, the, the markup on food is, is is not as much as people think. There's 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 a little bit of leeway. If you buy a steak for twenty bucks and you sell it for thirty bucks, wow, ten dollars, that sounds great. But how much does it cost to fix a parking lot? Mm-hmm. Right now the bill for a parking lot repair on ours is forty six grand. Ooh. So oh my. how many steaks do you have to cook just to fix the parking yeah. lot? Yeah. Paying your staff. Yeah. The the two biggest nightmare days in a month are the day that payroll hits and the day that taxes hit because that's where all that money just sucks out of your bank account the cash flows is real cash flows hard you got to take a lot of money in and then watch big swaths of it just disappear on you so it's a really uh it's 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 not for the faint of heart financially to jump in there but i I love doing it to to echo echo that i like my my little stint in restaurant world yeah uh we had a really great burger when we opened it was like it was fantastic was our top seller. I think we we're probably selling it for like 12 bucks or 11 bucks. And, we're, and it was our number one thing we were selling. And but we didn't know how to run a restaurant. It was, it was a great example of people that <laughs> didn't know how to run a restaurant. But we were really good at creating a beautiful space, had great ideas, had that neat stuff. But we hired a consultant to come in and we were losing money. Uh, and they were like, you're losing money on every burger you sell. You're That's selling right. for like 11 bucks. You're paying just, people to come eat. Yeah. And it was just a huge revelation, just the food costs and the labor costs when you really took a dive into it. And so having the expertise to... to you you can see how that happened mm. with paying people to eat eat burgers. We fixed it and it became sure. possible. But uh, so when you heard that advice, don't go start something. Did you did you take that to heart, or were you the cocky young kid who were like, I can do it? I I, I was right in the middle. I knew in my head that I was going to go open something at some point, but I also took the advice: don't just jump out of school and go straight into it work around, chef around, surely you need more experience than just what school gave you. You know, mm-hmm. that, that kept ringing in my head. So I, I chefed at several different places. Um, I went down to New Orleans for a while and That's wanted to kind of... a good place to Right? Learn. I did a culinary externship wow. for the Brennan's family at Mr. Oh, B's down in the really? French Quarter. Yeah. They, they are the true masters at fine dining and high volume at the same time. That there's, is there's, hard to pull Bre- off. There's Brennan's as a restaurant, too. Brennan's restaurant, Mr. B's, Baco, the Redfish Grill, Redfish, Commander's yeah. Palace. Commander's oh, Palace. yeah. That's one yeah. of the best meals I've ever had in my entire life was Commander's Palace. There you go. Dickie Brennan's Steakhouse. Commander's can do 1,100 people in a night. What? And they're doing table side presentations. They invented Bananas Foster. Oh, yeah. And they're lighting it on fire. Exactly. Yeah. What do you think it takes in the business plan to say that the waiter at your table may have to spend five to eight minutes on dessert standing at your table and doing it? That That's a completely different formula than a waiter who brings you a dessert and then goes and gets your coffee. You know, mm, yeah. all those things put together, the Brennans are masters. So you went and worked service. for them. I did. I worked intentionally. You're like, I, I want to work for this family. I know. Yeah. I, I worked at Mr. B's Bistro and I got okay. to go to commanders and, 
and be in that kitchen a few days and kind of see what they were doing. Since I was a culinary extern, they were really good about saying, well, great, we want to teach you as much as we can. Extern, what does that mean? It means you're in school and you're going to go off for six months, put 700 hours in a kitchen and then come back for your next year of school. So like an intern, but yep. Yeah. extra. <laughs> going somewhere else. <laughs> okay. Man, okay. So is, is that where you sort of fell in love with, with seafood? Is that some of the inspiration for Waters? I mean, I've always loved seafood okay. too. And, I, and you know, I, again, hunting and fishing, I didn't realize that I had a huge knowledge of seafood without without trying. Mm-hmm. When somebody said, you know, in culinary school, they're like, well, now there's five five species of Pacific salmon. Does anybody know what they are? I'm like, yeah, you never been to Alaska fishing? I mean, yeah, you got the kings, the silvers. I mean, uh-huh. it just started. And there, over and over, I kept realizing that, one, my parents loved to eat. So we had gone to really cool restaurants our whole life. And that was a massive advantage that I had been exposed to things like that. I had tried caviar. I had seen a lot of things. Yeah. But I also knew a ton about seafood already and was really into it just from wanting to catch everything and, you know, and, yeah. and fish all the time. So the it's sport, one of those. The sport of it, too, is also, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. And so now being on the other side and and finding the, the seasonality and the pricing and, you know, what's coming into season, Stone Crab just opened October 15th, all these kind of things. I I have a knack for it because it's something I was already passionate about to begin with. Cool. Mm. So in, so, so in, in New Orleans, how, and you were there for six months. I was there, yeah. Nine, let's see, gosh, I was in I was in New Orleans, 97, 98. Okay. <laughs> I told you I was old. <laughs> so, yeah, go, not that, go to New Orleans. And there's always this, I feel like there's always the grind period. Absolutely. And I feel like you're in the grind That's period. That's the grind period, yeah. You're, yeah, you're, you're paying your dues. I was working for, you know, $6.57 bucks an hour. Yeah. And were you loving it or were you hating it? Absolutely both at the same time. Okay. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I usually did the lunch shift. Sometimes I was on dinner, but, you know, once, you, once you're in a spot and it's working, they like to, you know, keep you there. They don't want to train you or anything mm-hmm. else. So usually I'd go to work at about 6.30 or 7 in the morning, and I'd be done by about 3 o'clock in the afternoon. A lot of times I'd try to go try another restaurant, go see what somebody else is doing. But, man, I'm, I'm going to bed by 8 o'clock. I'm, I'm up yeah, and in the kitchen white. again by 6.30. So. Yeah. And were you, were you dreaming about your space? Were you starting to kind of, like, play yeah. it out in your head? A little bit. Did did you know my my assumption is is you probably were like I want to do something with wild game because you're so excited about it to was an extent but I was still I was still trying to build my repertoire at that point it was okay. like all right before I leave this town I want to make the best crab cake I can possibly do and I want to make sure I know what gumbo is all about I want to make sure I can do a jambalaya I, the stuff that only they really do mm-hmm. I thought let's let's make sure. That is part of your soul and your repertoire before you leave. You're really good at it, yeah. So, so Waters has one of my favorite crab cakes ever. Thank you very I much. Lo- that, that's <laughs> like, so I have like two things I always order, but that that is is one of them. I appreciate it. It's easy to do a cheap one, but it's cheap. But like, And like one that's crab like hearty. All crab. Oh, yeah. yeah, it's so good. So yeah. how, how long did that grind period last? Did you, was it just New Orleans and then restaurant? Get us, get us to... Like I graduated, kind of where graduated culinary school in '98, yeah, and we opened Bonnell's at the end of '01. Okay, okay. So what did you so, do in those three years? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I worked at Randall's Cafe Wine Bar and Cheesecakery for a while downtown. Okay, met my wife there. Remember the big tornado that hit downtown? Yeah, yeah. I met my wife in the middle of that tornado. Wait, wait, <laughs> what? There's a story. Okay, there. pause. We're right? doing a detour. Pause again. on the timeline. Yeah, let's let's so hear. I, that. Take I, us to love. I had just finished working at Randall's and went back to grab last paycheck and say hey to my friends. And she had just started pouring wine at night. She was working for a publishing company. And I thought, you know, maybe I'll maybe I'll sit down and uh, have dinner tonight. Who's 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 the new girl? Uh-huh. Okay, so, sat, so you saw her. You're like, she's. she's I saw cute. her, and I thought maybe I'll sit down and have dinner. And then the tornado hit. We all ended up in the basement with with customers and. Oh, it hit that night. 
it hit literally within an hour of meeting her. It's like the movie Twister. There you go. <laughs> in a nice restaurant. Love was born. <laughs> That's right. In a tornado. In a tornado. In the eye the of the tornado. In an F4. So, yeah. so y'all went in the basement. And then we walked around and looked at damage and walked outside like, I cannot believe. Look at that entire building missing glass. Oh, my gosh. And we walked around looking at damage. Were y'all freaking out I walked there? her home. You know? A little bit, but we had a TV. It was my old TV with antennas that I took off the oven and ran it down in the basement. We were watching it, and we, we could tell that it was next to us, but not right on top. And then we heard the freight train come over the top. We never lost power the whole time. Wow. Two blocks away, total damage. Somehow on, you know, 907 Houston Street, it didn't get, didn't get exactly hit. So... Uh, walked around and looked at damage, and then I came back a few days later and uh, and asked her out. I said, "Hey, uh, stars are playing in the Stanley <laughs> Cup Finals, so when you get off shift, come across the oh, street that's, that's okay. to the Blarney Stone, come watch a game with me." And then oh, I the Blarney Stone, yeah. 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 And then I asked her out on a date after that. So wow. how long have y'all been married? So we got married in February of 01 and opened Bonnell's in October of 01. That's a great way to start. That was a great year. Starting a business. <laughs> That's right. In your first year of marriage, it's not and, stressful. Well, she still claims it was completely false advertising because I was cooking at home every single day trying out dishes. And then we opened the restaurant. She's like, what happened? And you'll and never cook again. You're, you're not, it you're not here cooking. I mean, false advertising completely. Uh -huh. Yeah. So, so you worked at you worked at Randall's during yep. that time. Worked at know. Randall's for quite a while. And then I helped a, a friend open a restaurant called Escargot. Okay. Uh, I remember Escargot. Yeah, yeah. Frederic yeah. Angevin, this really great French chef. Um, he had been at Le Chardonnay and quite a few of the old ones. And he wanted to open his own place. And he said, look, I, I can't afford a lot of labor. I said, I'll tell you what, for 300 bucks a week, I'll just do it with you. But you got to include me on every single thing you do. I'm willing to saw you, tables with you. You knew you, want, you yeah. wanted to learn. That he's said, opening a restaurant. I want to watch it. I said, look, I'm, I'm going to try to open my own one day. I'll do anything with you. Just let me in on everything. Don't just have me washing lettuce. I'll, we, we, we saw cut the tables and built furniture, and we did everything. We put the little computer system together that he was going to use, um, painted the walls. I mean... Start to finish, that place was, uh, he hired very few outside contractors. It was, it was a small place, and it was on a, on a shoestring budget. Mm -hmm. And we did, uh, I helped him write the menu just in terms of, you know, he's very French. And I was like, let's let's change the wording here just a little bit, not changing the dishes. But he came up with all the dishes, yeah. and we, uh, just the two of us cooked for, I don't know, gosh, a year and a half. That's wow. fine. So there's I, only two people in the kitchen. You got to rely on somebody. You, you, you don't call in sick days. I mean. Yeah. Yeah, you can't. Our world is different. Wow, I think for for people listening, like part part of my hope with, with with this was to inspire people that normal people can go on to do great things, and kind of give people a glimpse of like what does that path look like, what what are some what are the things you did that made you successful? But but I think that humility of of I just want to learn. I need to learn. I need to be in proximity to other people. You got to pay your dues in this industry. You can't just jump in and say, I want to be a chef. I'm going to buy the hat and the coat and here we go. Yeah. And I typically it's, it's feel like one. that's in most industries, if people had that mentality, whereas in the culinary industry, possibly it's, it's almost a necessity. I feel like in most industries, that attitude would serve every single person well. I feel like that hard work, that humility is what births opportunities. You know, it, it births this, this education, this experience, this opportunity for you to now go thrive. And how are you going to get that? If you walk into a, a restaurant and you say, hey, I've been to culinary school. I want to make $100,000 and I want to be, you know, one of the top chefs. Yeah, me like, too. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. They're like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, me too. Exactly. But n- and not to complain about the younger, younger, younger people. <laughs> no, I mean, but, uh, but I'm going to complain about younger people. Okay. <laughs> You're going to be an old the, man today. It was the exact same way when I went into culinary school. It was the same deal. Everybody thought, I'm going to get out of school. I'm going to get a book deal. I'm going to get my own show. We're going to scream bam when you throw something in a pan. This is just what you do, right? No, you, you, you work a lot. You have to. But I don't it, think it's generous. I think it's you, just the. You pay for college. Yeah. You pay for books. You like why? Why would you not sacrifice to really, really go learn? But I, I get I, there's an entitlement of 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 some some. I'm still I feel scared. like I had that too, though. I mean, like when I was young, I was like, I want to, I want to get paid. I don't want to yeah. work for nothing. But I, I get people that apply for us sometimes, and they're yeah. like, I want X amount, and I'm like, you have no experience, no, but you no. you would get such great experience here. Go, you can go onto that. But yeah, building your building your set of skills, building your your just yeah. body of knowledge, it's something you've got to do. I always tell kids in culinary school, we, we deal a lot with the, with the high school programs now, mm-hmm. um, the Fort Worth Food and Wine Festival and Foundation. We have a whole symposium where chefs talk to the next generation coming up. Oh, and that's cool. My biggest piece of advice is you got to work a lot of kitchens. You got to work yeah. a lot of hours in each one. Don't just bounce around. But when you're in a kitchen, if you want to move up in that kitchen, if you like that organization and say, hey, I don't want to just be a prep cook. I don't want to be on salads anymore. I want to be yeah. a sous chef. There is one exact way to do it. Outwork the guy next to you. And I feel like every entrepreneur, every person that we have brought in on this podcast, there has been a grind period. And I've said this almost every podcast mm-hmm. is, and that grind period is not three weeks, three months. Yeah. It's usually three plus years. Like everybody we talked to, like uh, <laughs> we talked to a couple of people that were like, no, I grinded it out for, oh, I don't know, eight, 10 years. And then I started my restaurant. Yeah, then I started season. my business. <laughs> yeah. And they, and they talk about it like it's a week, right? But it's always like, Three years, five years, ten years of just slave, you know, slavery, like work hours, you know, it's where it's just like, man, I am just working so much, so much time. Uh, and then then they start their business and they're the ones that are successful. So sure. w- so when did you make the leap? Did you did you know yeah. did you in your mind were you calling it Bonnell's? Were yeah. You, were, did you know it was gonna be Texas kind of food? What? We we talked about it for quite a while and do you put your name on it or not? And I said, you know, as as much as I want this to be a good marketing, you know, form and come up with something catchy. If you put your name on it, that tells everybody who you are mm-hmm. and it means you're going to be there all the time. This is really, you know, from your heart. This is yours. Emerald mm. has emeralds and you know exactly what you got going in. All right, guys, we're interrupting your podcast experience once again. I know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But we are giving you something for free. So it's totally worth it. Yeah. We recently released a document called The Storytelling Pathway on our website. It is our playbook for success for growing brands for marketing mm-hmm. that, that that's every literally everything that we do at Sixth Avenue Storytelling and we want to share it with the world we want to give it to you so in addition to these nuggets that you're learning on this podcast you can get our free playbook free manual for how you grow your business from Sixth Avenue Sixth Storytelling. Storytelling. Yeah, it's That's the right. storytelling, and it's really, really good. It's Where do you find it? It's SixthAvenueStorytelling.com. There you go. And it's good. Go get it. Go download it. I promise it's going to help your business. And I was coming from a place of nobody knew I was even cooking, so you got to try to put your stamp on it. And, and I don't want to say or give the impression that I thought the restaurant business just was so easy. Once we got started, it was great. I knew everything. We made so many mistakes. I mean, we started in October of 01, and right off the bat, everybody is going to come try you. So you're going to have more business than you can handle for months. 
you better have it right really fast. Or else they won't come back. <laughs> that, I, there's a rule. Yeah, yeah. If they love it, they will tell three people. And if they hate it, they will tell everyone. <laughs> but this is before Yelp, That's, at least. That, so it wasn't online yet. Yeah, but, but man, still. word of mouth is everything. Word so mouth, we yeah. sent out direct mailers. I, I got those little postcards you can run through the printer. You know, Avery ones. And I put stamps and literally. You, type, you yourself were yeah, stamping I, I sent out about four or 5,000 postcards saying here's the opening of Bonnell's and I typed in all the addresses I, I, I found you manually typed yeah I found like a, a directory it. for Country it. Day School and for Trinity Valley School oh, and like for smart. Ridgely Country Club and just kind of looked at zip codes and said alright these are all the people I need to try to send a mailing card to but it was thousands of dollars to send one piece of mail yeah it was cheaper to buy an ad in the yellow pages and everybody looks in the yellow pages but but okay but was I, I, I want to pause you right there because someone the <clears throat> grind it out the, the, the other thing that I preach a lot is is sort of this idea of if, if you build it they will come is not true they'll come once well yeah but but, but even <laughs> that like yeah. you you went and i gotta go get people i gotta tell yeah. people whatever you it gotta takes. hustle and and the hardest part so my business partner that i hired also an amazing chef he's been in the game longer than i have ed mccowan mm -hmm. he's one of those look i don't want to go talk to the customers you can handle all that part i just let's run this kitchen right yeah, and we had both worked at Randall's together, and uh, we had both been at Escargo. He he took over my spot when I took off to try to find property and get a restaurant going. And I said, "You want to do this?" And he's like, "You know what? All in. Let's do it." But financially, we took a huge leap and put a ton of money into a building and a bunch of furniture and computers and food, and then we opened the doors and just hope people came in and bought most of it. That, yeah. Did you? Did and that's a really risky deal, and it, and it was hard. For the first few months, everybody came in. It was great. And then about a year into it, starting our second year, year yesterday's news. There's a bunch of new restaurants opening. Yeah. And we had you some— You took a dip? We did. We had some serious financial struggles during year two and three. They were really hard. Did you have did you have debt? Did you borrow money to Yeah. Yeah, we had some debt. And we were we were in some trouble for I would say about a year and a half period between years two and three when it just looked like, man, is anybody coming? And we started having to look at the business as a whole instead of saying, well, you know, is the food not right? I can I can handle the food part. That's the yeah. easy part for you the can chef. You can tweak and tweak I, and I know tweak. exactly what the food tastes like, and I know that's not it. All right, well, we're running way too much labor. Why are we open six days a week? If we cut out Mondays, we're going to do a lot better. Look how much labor we cut when we do that. Mm -hmm. We had to start looking at, at numbers and – Ed was very good at saying, here's here's some ways to cut out a ton of our expenses while doing exactly what we're still doing. And then we started doing some catering and catering department still using the same kitchen and the same people meant extra sales on top of what you're just getting during meal periods and little ways like that, that we learned how to grow the business mm -hmm. without having to spend a ton of money. Well, how mm -hmm. do you, how do you get the word out about catering? Like how did you, how did uh, right off the bat, customers say, do you guys do holiday parties? Okay. I mean, everybody wants to do a Christmas party. And were you originally saying no? And then you yeah. said, okay. And then, you know what? Well, why wouldn't we? Yeah. We're already, we're already here. Yeah. We're already cooking. We got the time. What if we just, and, and catering and at the beginning dead. was me and <laughs> catering <laughs> at the beginning was me and my truck. And we just drive to your house and one or two of the waiters would come with me and we'd you know, cook for 50 sign, people. Sign me up for that. There you yeah, go. Right? <laughs> yeah, right? Now the catering department's huge. And, you know, we <laughs> cook for the TCU football stadium for five seasons. And, uh -huh. you know, we can do parties of a thousand people. But that part of the business, we didn't even you ha you consider had to pivot. at the beginning. You had to pivot and you, right. had, you had to take a real dive into the numbers. They yep. were real now because did you almost hang, like throw in the towel? Sure. It's real when you start looking at your bank account and the bank calls and you know it's them. And they're like, oh. yeah, the, uh, the account busted today. Yeah. What do you want to do? I mean, you know, you go into a little debt, 
transfer some money. You want to you want to feed this thing a little more. Yeah. You're trying to make money out of it, and right now it's not working. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a that's a hard one. I knew in my head exactly when the tax check was coming through, and I knew exactly when payroll payroll was hitting. And those were tough nights to sleep through, thinking, "Man, I'm going to wake up tomorrow and look at the sales and see if it busted or it didn't." And you wow. you didn't have kids yet no. at that point. No, we didn't have kids yet. But it was that was assuming a st- stressful time. Absolutely, in your life. and it, and it took us a while to realize that the business has to be there first before you go back to saying, all right, well, exactly which ingredients are we going to use for this? We always thought the food was great. Mm-hmm. I never had a, an issue with with what I thought our food quality or, you know, response from people was, but we needed to learn how to run the business better. And, you know, we were we were young and jumped right in. And, at, you know, a few years into it, we, we got a on step and figured it out and oh man, off to the races. So catering was a big change. Was, it, was there anything else that you did it sounds like it sounds like you looked at the numbers and it's like the numbers here are the numbers they don't lie they they are hitting you smack dab in the face you're seeing that in the bank account and it's like i feel like there's like that realization of okay change or die right it's that's like, it that's and that's sales like drive everything in the restaurant business these are your sales well then here's how much you can allocate to labor and here's how much you can allocate to your fixed cost and here's how much you can put into your food cost and during year one that wasn't was that on your that was a kind on your radar not really you can predict your sales all you want but then they start coming in yeah right? yeah so when your sales after a year you look at it and say this is what lunch produces this is the amount of labor you're using on that those aren't going to work. Gotcha. If you continue with this many people the model, cooking at lunch the and the sales broken. come in here, that's guaranteed to fail. Mm. Unless you think another 100 people are going to start coming in every, every day for lunch. If you got an answer for that, sales drive everything and there you yeah. go. But given the parameters that we had, we had to start start cutting certain areas and, and focusing on others. So you got more efficient and lean yep. and started catering. Yep. And was there was there anything else that you changed or did we started getting busier based on this customer liked it so we told somebody and he brought a friend in that's the natural progression of restaurants you're extremely busy at the very beginning then there's the big lull and then you build it word of mouth slowly organically and it starts building over time and And that all worked and i think and part of it too was when you when you would go in you would be there Yep. And and people you would go check on the tables and I was there eighty hours a week for the first, you know, several years. Golly, eighty hours. Yeah. Never never left or I'd sleep on the couch once in a while, just I I was like, We've got to get this right. We've got everything invested in it. We took a huge, huge gamble on it. And then it eventually started working and started doing well. And Ed looked at me and said, You know, if we ever did decent buffalo wings in this town, we'd make a killing. Ed's from Buffalo and just said Nobody does a decent wing in this okay. entire city. Okay. Yeah. And I said, what do you mean there's no decent wings? I mean, there's wings everywhere. He's like, listen, I'm from Buffalo. I'm telling you there's not <laughs> uh-huh. a decent wing. And he, you know, put together a batch or two one day and for the staff. And I was like, yeah, these are really good. And he's like, uh-huh. it's not that hard. Yeah. And sure enough, something fell in our in, in our lap. Somebody was looking to move their spot, didn't want their lease anymore over at TCU. And, yeah. said, you know. The rent looks about right. Ed, you want to do that that it's wing that wing kids, thing we're yeah. talking about? So, 15 years ago, we opened Buffalo Bros Pizza Wings and Subs. What year was that? Um, that feels like yesterday. That would have been 06, I think. Wow. Yeah, November of yeah. 06. And uh, he's from Buffalo, and people always ask if we're brothers. So, there's the Buffalo Bros. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that's funny. And did that go well? Yeah, it's been extremely. And that that's a higher volume. It's it is. It's cheaper labor. It's simpler. 
it's an easier equation on paper. Now you got to execute the product. You got to make yeah. good wings. You got to make good no pizza. You got to make wings. good subs. Your, your product has to be good, but it's a higher volume game. If somebody really likes Bonnells, they'll come two or three times a year. If they like Buffalo, they'll come two or three times a week. Yeah, yep. it's I, for everybody. I have people that go every single week. Yes, there yeah. was a time period where where I where depending on where I was working, I would go there once a week, every Wednesday. You know, basically. Well, thank you. For, and it was just. And, and that's what I tell my kids. You know how much I love being a chef? And between Bonnells and Waters, the fine dining, that is from my heart and soul. I love the fine dining game. But y'all are going to college on Buffalo Brothers. <laughs> <laughs> really? That's an easier business model, I'm telling you. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so, yeah, I, I, I want to take us. So I have a couple questions that we didn't quite get to. Okay. The, the first is that original vision for Bonnells. Uh-huh. Did you, you like the sort of farm to table thing, which is a very common phrase now, but at the time that was not. Yeah, it's pretty, pretty new to the public. Chefs had been doing it forever, but it, it, it didn't get a lot of new. press, you know. Forward, that was very new. Yeah. And then doing sort of this interesting game. And that was that was new, right? Like that was sort of a new concept. It really kind of was. And I. The research that I kept doing was I want to find all the farms and ranches that are doing something unique. Okay. I mean, you can get a steak anywhere from Outback to Cattlemen's. There's plenty of places to buy a steak in Fort Worth. What yeah. makes this restaurant different? Yeah. I don't want to compete with a chain restaurant. I don't want to be a steakhouse where you just put a steak yeah. under a broiler and put it on a plate. I think that's awesome, and I love steakhouses, but yeah. that market's already there. Yeah. We need to set ourselves apart. What's going to be different? I said, all right, from the chef's point of view, farms and ranches what is really cool, really different from Texas, what's high end and that that only we are doing. Mm -hmm. And so I started finding ranches like, again, our quail guy, our venison guy. How do you find ranches? Yellow pages? <laughs> are you driving around? In 2001, yeah. Well, we, we had dial-up internet AOL at the time. So okay. if you're doing internet research, it's you were slow. Yeah, you, you, you had that that slow rate. But uh -huh. I you know, started doing research with other restaurants. So okay. if you ask a, another restaurant, hey, who do you guys use for this and that? They'll, yeah. they'll give you their sources. Yeah. So I started finding ones that were Texas specific. What is the best stuff we've got from Texas? Yeah. And I started going to the farmer's markets and talk, talking to the farmers individually. Yeah. And, you know, strike up a conversation with Peyton Scott, um, rest his soul, but he was the best tomato man I've ever known. This guy grew tomatoes that amazing. Uh -huh. He had his hothouse and then he had his field tomatoes. And during the season, you know, I was buying four or five boxes a week of tomatoes from Peyton. Every time he'd come to the farmer's market on oh, Saturdays, cool. I would always go down to Scott Farms and, and grab some of his stuff. Found a, a goat cheese maker over here. Found somebody who's doing nothing but um, organically grown fresh herbs over here. And one at that, a time, you find these guys. That sounds like a more, one more difficult and more expensive way Absolutely more expensive. Yes. It is much cheaper to buy craft cheese yeah. than to go and find someone who has a herd of goats and makes their own goat cheese. <laughs> but are you wanting nachos for three dollars a plate where they've got shredded craft on top? Or is yeah. somebody going for an experience where you have a Texas bruschetta that has fresh herbs and goat cheese Ooh, made by good. right? So yeah. and we're charging more for that. That's a $14 appetizer. We were trying to put ourselves in the market at the higher end of pricing, but a very unique dining experience that nobody else was doing. Yeah. And, Which and, it was. and that and that started to the word of mouth of that. Yep. The, okay. My other question about Bonnells was, was the is the location. How did you find like what right? was that before? How did you find that? Oh, that's funny. So it was a Pizza Hut. <laughs> that was a Pizza Hut. So it it was. I didn't a, know that. It, it was about half the size it is now. It was a little rectangular building. It was originally built as a savings and loan, and 
Those are all gone. And then it had been, half of it was a Pizza Hut Express. That's why we have that huge sign. Pizza Hut had a sign up there with their phone number on it okay. that reached the freeway, and we got that grandfathered in. The other half was a state farm office um, that was occupied by Tom Price. You might know his wife, oh, Betsy. Yeah. Oh, wow. There you go. No way. Yep. They were both on month-to-month rents, and uh, the landlord kind of said, if, you know, we're looking for something more stable if you want it. I'm, you know, they're both on month-to-month. If you want this spot, you can do it. I had the hardest time finding a place to put a restaurant. The first three or four places I looked at didn't want me. Really? Just no, I, get, want the I get a phone call every day now. Hey, come put a restaurant uh-huh. in here. You know where um, where Buttons was. Yeah. Right there in front of Central Market. I looked at that spot. And they said no. In its original form. And they said, independent restaurant. Mm, I don't know. I'll tell yeah. you what. Do you remember who that was? Is that person still in business? No, I don't. I don't. I don't remember who the, the agent was. Okay. But the agent <laughs> showed us. For me? Yeah, right? yeah. They, they showed us the space and said, "We're going to require a two, a ten year minimum guarantee with some kind of personal backing." So, oh my in gosh. other words, I need at least two and a half million dollars sitting here to guarantee you're going to pay the rent for ten years without a personal guarantee behind at least ten years. We don't want you. And so what they brought in instead was a concept from Brinker, you know, Chili's group and everything called the Big Bowl. And it... That didn't last. No, it didn't last. No. Right. And then it was something else and it didn't last. And then Buttons, an independent restaurant, went in and did great Crushed for many it. years. Yep. Yeah. 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 That's so, okay. So you found that spot. Sure. And I don't want to be in the real estate game because, yeah. you know, they, they've got plenty of risk too. But I looked at three or four spots and... Financially, nobody wanted me. But and it's a yeah. unique spot because you're kind of by yep. you're on an island. You're when really I found that island. spot, I, yeah. I was really familiar with the area because I went to Country Day when I was mm-hmm. a kid. So I thought, wait a minute, this spot is first of all something we can afford. Mm-hmm. The landlord's not looking at me saying, "All right, I need a huge personal guarantee." He was willing to take a risk. Mm-hmm. Still the same guy. And I said, "This will be viewed by every Country Day and every Trinity Valley parent and every Mira Vista mm-hmm. member every single year." And there'll be new parents every year. Everybody driving to private schools, which would be our customer basis yeah. that we're looking for, has to drive by you. So they'll know where you are. It's a destination spot. We don't have a sidewalk walking up. Yeah, there's, there's no walkability. We've never had a walk-in customer other than the people that are right in that same shopping center with us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So no no walk-bys, but as a destination, it, it was financially doable in a spot that everybody could see. We found 42,000 cars a day drive by that spot, and we had that big sign. I thought, okay, at least they'll know where we are. Yeah. It's been good. Cool. Man. That's Okay. That, that, that answer scratched my itch. My, those are <laughs> two things I was curious about. So oh, you opened, opened Buffalo Brothers, and that instantly does well? Right off the bat, Did. Buffalo was doing really well. Okay. Just the volume you can get. We're selling pizza, wings, and subs, and beer on a college campus with lots of TVs. Lots of TVs. Sports bar on a college and campus. really the, good. Yeah. Everything's really good and there. two chefs started it, right? Yeah. So I we're mean, making everything from scratch. We make yeah. our own pizza dough. I mean... The pizza is... Man. Thank you, sir. It's phenomenal. Bar food is not that hard to do if you've ever cooked in a kitchen, but yeah. it's also extremely cheap to do if you know nothing. So most most places that are doing bar food, yeah. you can just buy frozen stuff and throw it out. Yeah. It's not it's not hard to do cheap stuff. Yeah. It just takes a little bit of effort and you know, start from scratch and we can make it pretty but damn now, good. But now your time is split. Now you're juggling a bigger staff. Yep. Now. Especially Ed, who was running the kitchen with me. I mean, yeah. it, it can't just be a one person operation. Yeah. This was his dream. So he was I, I'm missing him in the kitchen a ton. Yeah. Did, yeah. did you did you learn anything about management or scaling or leading? Any, any like big lessons? 
Yeah, I just needed three of me, and <laughs> and you did. went into your eighty. That's right, eighty mind, and you went uh, all over. Yeah, got to be everywhere at the same time. <laughs> mm-hmm. And at this point, five years in, then I'm starting to go and make an appearance and attend all the different charity events. So I I learned how to replace exactly what I did for the nights that I wasn't in the restaurant, mm. and say, all right, if I'm not there. Who's going to do it? But that's scaling. That's scaling at right. its core. And how do I replicate? Right. Learning how to say, I have been standing in this exact spot doing this exact job. Is there another person that can do it as well so that it frees me up to do even more? Mm-hmm. And doing those things and, and learning that over time has been just extremely valuable to, to the brand overall. How do you, how do you, do you have a process now for how you do that? We hire incredibly good people. And you just say, watch me? Or do you write it well, down? Do you... we, we try to find someone like Anthony Felly is one of the most talented chefs I've ever worked with. He has an incredibly good business mind, and this guy can cook. And when he came to me and said, hey, I'm interested in possibly leaving where I am, mm-hmm. looking for a job, I thought that's the exact kind of person I want to make. He is the executive chef of Waters Restaurant. Okay. Mm-hmm. When he's in the building, I do not worry about the food quality. I don't need to be back there on the grill. Charles Utes had been at Classic Cafe for many years and has a garden program. Not only a really talented chef, been doing it longer than I have, he's also a certified master gardener. <laughs> okay, that's And cool. so when he said, hey, I'm interested in maybe making a career change, maybe moving, I thought, you are the perfect guy to come and run Bonnell's right now. Yeah. Both of those guys are, are better than I am in the kitchen. Okay. They each have absolute ownership of that building. I mean, when they are there... Charles is running that, and he can go give somebody a tour of the garden where half of their stuff was grown that they just mm-hmm. ate. Wow. So we started a huge garden program there. Did you have to pay a lot for that for that caliber of person? I mean, I'm sure that was yes. like a financial... Sure. I'm, I'm paying somebody to do the job that I used to do. Yeah. But better at this point. But they're better, and as we've built our brands and as we've, as we've grown and business gets better, that's what we need to do is identify really good people, trust them, and put them in positions that can do it better than I could. Yeah. Mm. And how long did it take to get them where you did? Tr- did you instantly yeah. have the trust? So far, twenty years. <laughs> but, but 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 I mean, did it take a like? Did it take a little bit to get them? Sure. And and there's nothing ever stable in the, in the restaurant industry. You can't say, you know, we've got the exact right people where they need to be. I think I'll just sit here and watch it. Yeah. Some, last somebody's going to get another offer. I mean, Charles came to us. He was supposed to start right when the pandemic started. So we waited a little while, waited a little while, and finally said, "All right, let's go ahead." And we, we, uh, he came over and we started planting the gardens and building those those big raised beds mm-hmm. um, in July of 2020. Mm-hmm. And I mean, he's one of the best things that ever happened to Bonnells. Anthony has been with Waters um, the whole time. It's been in Sundance Square. It's okay. been fantastic, and so he's t- he's amazing. But. So where, where Waters? How, when did Waters? Uh, it's was this, been was it in your head for a while? Or yeah, I kept thinking. You know what Fort Worth is missing is high-end seafood. If you ask everybody where do you get where do you get the best fish in town, they would name the steakhouses. That's right. And I kept saying there's Papados, exactly, which is you know a chain. Right. There's one, and I kept thinking in my head, there's a niche in the market, and this is something that we are uniquely qualified to to fill and do well. Um, there's a lot of steakhouses already. I don't need to open another steakhouse. Yeah. Bonnell's is a farm-to-table. Texas cuisine place, and we're selling a ton of seafood out of there. That seafood is a big market here, and we're just missing it. Okay. So, we're gonna do seafood first. We're gonna focus on fish instead mm. of at instead of it being your your one special a night. And uh, we the first spot that we that we put it into was the West Seventh neighborhood. Yeah, yeah Crockett yeah. Row, the corner of Crockett and Curry. And <clears throat> you know the first year was absolutely amazing in sales. 
Mm-hmm. Just a great spot. And I'm assuming like that's an expensive sure. endeavor. That's Rent, a, rent's not cheap. If you're in a good spot, the rent's not cheap. Rent's not cheap, and your finish out was fa- like fancy. I mean, it was like this. Took a little money. Yeah. Yep. But right off the bat, it was just killing it. And then several things happened. They dropped the 7th Street Bridge for a while, so the corridor to downtown That's was right. just gone. Oh, yeah. That's right. I and that. we, yeah. we felt that just instantly. It was yeah. like they just cut off your lifeline. Ooh. And then the entire area started evolving into a different scene. It became a, a night a nightclub kind of scene, all these really, really big bars That's came right. all around us. So the entire feel of that area stopped feeling fine dining and started changing into, uh, you know, post college. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, bars. I mean, different scene. Yeah. There was literally like seven bars that happened overnight. I felt yeah. like and big it, ones. And then all the rest, like other restaurants as well, just, I mean, vanished. Yep. I mean, like, a, like I say nicer restaurants vanished at the time sure. too. Yeah. The, the turnover started happening fast and, yeah. um, Sundance square kind of, one of the, one of the players kind of gave me a tap on the shoulder and said, you know, we, we love the concept you got here. Would you ever consider bringing this to Sundance? And I was like, well, my problem is I, I got a lot of money invested in this and yeah, I can't you, take it you with spent me. spent a lot of money finishing that out. Yep. And he said, if we pay to move you, would you come down to Sundance? And, uh, yeah, absolutely. You, hear, you could hear the tires screech. I would, I would yeah. love to. Sundance was just an incredible spot. Yeah. So when we found that spot and they said, the problem is what the space that we, that we want you in needs a lot of renovation. We'll do the renovation of the space. If you'll just do the finish out, mm-hmm. just the finish work and the furniture yeah. and equipment that made a lot of sense. And there's just across the street from waters. Now there's a million square feet of office space. Those two buildings are across Towers. the street yeah. and those are our customer bases right there. There's a 500 room hotel across the street at the Worthington mm-hmm. yeah. when there are conventions in town, the number of people that just walk the streets down there, it is a great spot for us to be. And it's been a, a very good financial move uh, to head down there. Yeah, We've it's been, been there. It's been, it's been good. Yeah. Um, let's see. April will be five years down there. Wow. Oh, I can't believe it's been I just long. feel like, <clears throat> It's hard. Uh, that transition of just like, okay, we just spent hundreds of thousands of dollars, just assuming here, of renovations on 7th. Yeah, um, you're, you're saying up more, more, more. A little more. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I'm, I'm throwing a conservative here then. Hundreds of thousands of dollars or, or more. And then all of a sudden you're like, well, we have to shut this down and we have to move. At this point in your career has, has like – you know, starting a business right off the bat, someone is, is going to feel like, oh my gosh, how do you are able to do this? At this point in your career, is that an easy like thing to swallow? You're like, Psh, I've risked everything before. This is my fifth time to do it. I don't care. I'm just, we're rolling. Sure. Or is this still like agonizing, losing, losing, losing sleep, sleep stressful? Oh, losing sleep like crazy. This, okay. was our, this was our third restaurant and right off the bat, it was looking great. I'm like, man, we know what we're doing. This yep. is great. And then all of a sudden it wasn't. Yeah. Everything was perfect until the day that it just stopped being great. And it was, it was a very fast turn. Yeah. And we had, I mean, at some point you, you've just got a decision to make either let it go or try to make a huge move. And I thought, I don't want to give up on this yet. And we did get an offer. 
I think we can keep this going. And having the reputation for being a seafood house that does so many different oysters and already having that basis in there is a huge way to get started saying, hey, we're moving to downtown. Yeah. That's yeah. a big jump versus starting over from scratch and saying, here's a whole new concept. Those take a while to get going. Yeah. No matter what it is, you start a new concept. There is a long time between starting a concept, getting your customers. They weed you out. You weed them out. It's okay. We were already at that step. Yeah. So moving yeah. it to Sundance was a, was a huge deal, and right off the bat, it was financially successful. So if you don't That's get the cool. offer, you're you're already, we would have we would have given up on you it. Yeah, shut it, oh, shut man, it down. Yeah, or man. or just keep throwing money at it. I mean, yeah, yeah. there, there are not a, a lot of choices after a while. Yeah. Did yeah. it cannibalize your customer base, like your Bonnells diehard? People. You know, I, I don't think so. It's it's far enough away and a different enough concept. Everybody that came to Bonnell's, like, oh, yeah, we went over and tried it. But I didn't feel like our sales dipped. Okay. I feel like That's the city good. does better when we have more good independent restaurants. Yeah. People go out and eat better stuff. Yeah. Where we're putting our, our, our newest one is in an area that already has a lot of those concepts. Good restaurants attract more good restaurants. The more in an area, the better for the whole area. Well, all all, all ships rise. Yep. Yeah. All ships rise. So so Waters is like that's like that's like my, me and my wife's date night spot at the bar. We Thank love you. sitting at the bar. Uh, I always get so I, I'm I love dirty martinis and I love those dirty martini and it comes in like the metal little martini. Yep. And this it's is frozen the, steel glass. Oh man, and she, she. This is random. You would not expect this from Waters, but she thinks that you have the best margarita in town. Hey, I like. To, <laughs> I like to think we have the best bartenders <laughs> in town, and that's what really does it. But you would think that, but right? she's like your favorite margarita, and so we always go. I get a dirty martini. She gets a a, a a margarita, and I always get the dirty dozen oysters because I am an oyster junkie. Yeah, but it's like that's that, our our spot, and that's another one of those things that when we identify someone as a great bartender that mm -hmm. not only are they really good with the customers everybody likes to go and sit and talk with that particular bartender and get that one drink that they know they make but they also have the skill set of being able to create cocktails for the place yeah. that's the kind of person we need to hang on to and make sure hey this is someone we need to identify as being a waters team player not just that you, you come work so your shift so i need you, you what here. do you do to retain talent you move them up start paying them a little bit more Okay. I, I like how you said a water in charge team player. Of is right. that a common phrase that you guys use? Is it like, or is it just like an understood of like, hey, this is a person we're hanging on to? Is that like a, you said waters team player? Is well, there, that, is there are a, people that, that start and they are uh, a busser or a server or a bartender and they, they're just in a position. After a while, then somebody becomes maybe they're a shift leader, maybe they're the bar manager. Uh -huh. More responsibility, more leadership. You start moving people up into into more impressive roles when you identify who uh, yeah who really needs to be part of the, the family. Yeah. That's cool. So so waters you move it and then, then you move then you added a Buffalo Brothers down yep. there too. The Buffalo Bros that was a little rough timing, so we, we were wanting to do a second location of Buffalo Brothers. The first one was great, and we thought as long as it's, you know, a little ways off, it's not hitting the exact same neighborhood, I think this one's ripe to, to expand. And uh, again, Sundance said, hey, we've uh, we got a spot if you're interested in doing one. Mm -hmm. And they came to the table with a little money for improvement, and that spot is more than twice the size of the original. Mm. That, that one down there on Throckmorton and 4th has 93 TVs and 72 oh beer tabs. Gosh. <laughs> it's a big one. Did you buy 93 TVs at once? How yes. do you even do that? You <laughs> so, go into Costco or so something? So, <laughs> right? You just yeah. walk in and say, uh, you know, can I get this skew? Just keep hitting it, right? Yeah. Uh -huh. now, so we, we've got an electronics guy who says, 
I can do an entire electronics package and coordinate all this together. I've got one iPad that can control every TV. Oh, uh, my gosh. Yeah. So That's he's good. like, I can put the software together. I can put your entire electronic package together. Yeah. Look on top of the door someday in there. Just on top of the doors, there's yeah. a big platform up there. Yeah. Look at the electronics array with fans on it. It's really cool. Yeah, I've never looked at that. And he says, all right, so this is how many screens and how much you know wiring and speakers and all the hardware we're going to need. Let's send it to Samsung. Let's send it to Vizio. Let's send it and let's let everybody, uh, you know, sharp and, and bid on this many, this number. And uh, Samsung it is. Come on, yeah. Samsung. That's, that's crazy. Yeah, we ordered them in and, yep, that's how many TVs showed up and all these boxes. When all the TVs were coming in the door, people walking by on the sidewalk were, like, just stopping. People were crashing their bicycles, like, what are you doing with all those TVs? They <laughs> <laughs> got so excited. Like, can I just have one of those? Yeah, TVs? that's right. Whatever's going on in there, when it's open, we want to come see yeah. that many yeah, TVs yeah. going in. Was was there a point where you're like, this is working? I am good at this. This is a, this is success. Is he, like, did, where, was there a mountaintop kind of? Was that like, after Buffalo Bros? Was it after Waters? Was it after? Was it still not here? Uh, I will say February of 2020. Everything felt right. No, I mean, <laughs> man, it was perfect. We just had the world by the tail, and it was going. All the concepts were making money, and, it, man, things could not have felt better. Yeah. Wow. And then I, I forgot. What's what? that name? The, oh, that's right. Uh, March yeah. of 2020. So that was the moment where you're like, it I mean, feels good. Tomorrow was never promised to any of us. The restaurant business never has one guaranteed customer. We can have 20 reservations on the books and all of them can cancel on you and nobody could ever walk through the door again. So you, mm. as much as you want to say, I know what I'm doing, you're never in control. Mm -hmm. Wow, man. Okay. So let's, let's, let's go to COVID land. Here yeah. we go. I'm like, yeah. I like hate talking about COVID, but it's also like, it's, 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 I hate talking about cause we've, it's just, it's been everywhere. For yeah. The past. Well, it's like, these are going to be really good stories to tell in, in a while it's after everybody's over it. It's but. everybody's hardest time ever. So I had yeah. so many stories about it. I had to write a book about it. <laughs> you wrote yeah. a book. Okay. So I... COVID hits, and I'm assuming you're like, yeah. I, the I, first the first two weeks of March were an absolute disaster for the entire restaurant industry, yeah. because everybody just stopped coming in. Mm -hmm. Sales drive everything. We're yep. back to that again. And when you, I mean, ninety percent, every restaurant I knew across the board, sales are down ninety percent. The future is absolutely bleak. At the rate we were going, no one was going to be in business in another month or two. There, yep. It just wasn't going to work. Yep. When every single reservation cancels, our catering department lost over 500000 in oh contracts. I mean, these are these are parties that have already put a deposit down yep. for the entire year. Our entire catering calendar has over 500000 in sales already on the books. Like, okay, I mean... They put a deposit down. Your party's going to be on this date. Got it. We, we have people that want to get their holiday party booked, you know, in February or March so that next year they've got it. All of these had a deposit in. Every single one of them canceled within a week, week or two. So wow. the first two weeks of March were the most terrifying time. Yeah. Financially, you kept hearing about this virus. And I sat there with Ed, again, my business partner on all of the restaurants. Mm -hmm. We had just opened the new Buffalo Brothers mm -hmm. in August and it wasn't paid for. And it was expensive. Yeah. There's well, a quarter million dollars in TVs. In yeah, I was going to say, we just heard about the TV. <laughs> 93 yeah, we heard about the 93 There's TVs. almost 30 grand in beer inventory <laughs> on a tap system that when they close, we couldn't serve. Yeah, it's going to go bad. It's going to go bad. Yeah. Right? 30 I mean, grand in beer? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Roughly. Mm -hmm. So all kinds of stuff started happening in the first two weeks. I wouldn't say it's a relief, but... 
at one point when they finally said, hey, we're shutting you down, I thought, well, it's, I'm almost glad you're doing it. We don't. We didn't have a choice. Yeah, it was yeah. going to happen either way. There was a uh, there was a meet. Uh, there was supposed to be a food and wine festival event, um, a skeet shoot with shooting with the chefs and and all kinds of fun stuff happening as a fundraiser on March 16th, a Monday, and it was out at our ranch. And the week before, we had to cancel it. Yeah, you know, obviously they canceled the entire NBA season. We're gonna. Mm-hmm. We're going to be I remember in trouble. Said they like canceled South by Southwest, and I was like, South by Southwest was the first one, and Ed and I were sitting together like, well, you know, it's Austin, and, yeah. and then when they canceled NBA, I said, how are we going to run a sports bar on a college campus well, with no college TVs, and no sports? Got- <laughs> yeah, right. So that Monday was supposed to be a big shoot, and we had to cancel it. But I, I kind of emailed around the other restaurant tours and said, hey, do you guys want to just get together and talk? We got a lot a lot going on here yeah and a lot of well i don't know maybe betsy price said i'll show up everybody showed up so about 16 restaurant owners and chefs all got together on that monday the 16th and i brought my brother who's a uh, he's a doctor global health expert professor of medicine at tcu oh wow and so we've got betsy price the head of city health my brother and all the restaurant guys you know we're all just sitting around and uh the first question was, you know, everybody looked at my brother and said, is this really as bad as they're saying? And he's like, yeah, yeah, it really is. I'll, yeah. I'll show you, I'm going to tell you some numbers right now from Italy and from England, and it's coming. Mm-hmm, and yeah. so everybody thought, well, what do we do? And Betsy Price said, I do not intend to shut down the restaurants of Fort Worth. That is not what I want to do here. Mm-hmm. One of the other restaurant owners picked up his phone within a minute and said, just so you know, Dallas shut down all of their restaurants right now. Wow. Mm-hmm. And so we all knew it was happening. Yeah. But. It was a good time for us to say, all right, well, what are we going to do? And nobody had any ideas. I mean, we were all just looking at each other saying, well, so the industry is just over. Mm-hmm. She shut us down the next day. She oh, didn't have a choice. Yeah. yeah. And um, I, I, I read, I don't know if these numbers are true or not, but I, I read that you took, you had a, at the time, you had a staff of 261 people. Uh, 265. And you took that down to how many? 31 people. Was that like the, one of the worst days of your life? Yeah. The day that was that Tuesday morning, um, we knew it was going to happen. The staff knew it was going to happen. Right. It doesn't make it any easier. Yeah. I yeah. called an all-staff meeting. We don't ever do all-staff meetings. You have a lunch crew and you have a dinner crew and they don't, yeah. you know, if somebody worked at midnight, you can't have them come at 7 a.m. Yeah. If somebody starts at 7 a.m., you can't ask them to come meet at midnight. But I said all-staff meet at Waters, and that was the first one. And I parked downtown. I parked a few blocks away. Just thinking, I want to walk for a minute. I want to walk across the plaza. Just clear my head for a second. What am I going to tell all these people? Mm-hmm. And they're all gathered. It was a gorgeous, beautiful spring morning. They're all gathered on the patio. And as soon as I started walking up, it just it got eerily quiet. And I said, I'm so sorry. You didn't do anything wrong. It's not yeah. your fault. There's not any. There's not any choice here. I got, I got to let you all go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I had already talked to the four people in the kitchen that we were going to keep. Yeah. The whole restaurant was six people. I said, I'd already talked to them and said, I'm going to come make this speech tomorrow, but, you know, I want you to stay. And you, a lot, you, you kept some of the, the kitchen. I just kept folks. a handful. Yeah. And a lot of them kind of had this guilty feeling of like, look, do you, do you really need me? Because I, mm-hmm. I, I feel bad taking the money. Wow. And I said, I, I do want to keep some of our key people employed so that one day we can come out of this. But I just had to let everybody else go. And I said, the best I can tell you is get on the unemployment site and start hitting redial and refresh. It's going to crash. However you get into them, whether it's by phone or internet, 
<clears throat> get on as fast as you can. The entire state and nation is going to be doing it at the same time. Yeah. And I don't know what else to tell you, but I'm I'm just sorry. You deserve yeah. better. And everybody hugged it out, and everybody left, and that was it. And then we did it at three other restaurants. And then I went down to the commissioner's court and got on TV and begged everybody to please keep supporting your local restaurants in any way you can. Everybody's going to be shifting to something. They're not going to make it without you in uh, Glenn Whitley's court. That was a really rough day. And then I got back to my car and I had a ticket on it. You got a <laughs> ticket that day? Yeah. I was the only car serious? parked oh in downtown. Gosh. There was, I mean, you, you could have taken a nap on Main Street and not been hit. Mm. And yet my one car at the one meter, yeah, I got a ticket. And I contested it and I lost. I paid that ticket. <laughs> so this Sorry. is the, probably the worst day of your life. Yeah. And that's a rough one. Yeah. Wow. It was, it was, it was overwhelming to just keep just fire. I fired 231 people that didn't do anything wrong. Yeah. All in one yeah. day. And it's heartbreaking. Then we sat down the next day um, at, at Bonnell's and I had four kitchen crew that I identified and said, all right, we're going to try something. And so, you know, what do you want to do? And two managers. So six employees left at Bonnell's. Mm -hmm. And we sat around. I said, first of all, the bar's open. Help yourselves. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Let's sit around. Lord knows I could use a drink. Yeah. And we just sat around with a couple of beers and just said, all right, wh what do you want to try? And everybody spitballed and said, well, what if we just did to-go orders and ran them out to the parking lot? Okay. Except we don't have anybody left to answer the phone. Do you think the four of you can run the entire kitchen with all the prep? There's no, we can't do it. Second of all, we can't execute the food that we do and the presentations and stuff that we do in a bag at the curb. That's not going to work. Yeah. And honestly, it feels like you're doing high end fancy. We're doing stuff. fine dining. And it felt like there was a, there's a certain amount of guilt that to think about doing indulgent celebratory food, we should even come up with that idea. I thought, yeah. I mean, it felt pretentious to even try. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I thought, you know, our, our final conclusions were of everything we've talked about, there's two principles that matter here right now. We need to feed the most number of people we can feed, mm -hmm. and we need to do it for the least amount of money we can possibly get away with and still keep rolling through. The only way we're going to make this work, this city needs to eat. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All the restaurants are closed. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if you think about a, a Chick-fil-A as a high-volume operation, yeah. they have their two drive throughs and they have eight people checking out in line. You're getting rid of those eight. Now yeah, we, we just so, got the people in the kitchen. That's all even a place that's fast food. Yeah. That, you know, so everybody is shrinking down the number of restaurants cooking and what they can do. Yeah. It's shrinking by a ton overnight. People are scared to go to the grocery store for good reason. So we got to try to feed everybody mm -hmm. for the least amount we can. We don't even have the ability to answer the phone or answer the, we turned the website off, just put up a splash page and said, here's what we're doing, curbside meals. I'll put up the menu every morning on Facebook and tell you what it is, no choices, line up and get it, don't call. The, the phone machine literally just said, please do not leave a message. We are not monitoring this mailbox. Now wow. that mailbox did fill so, up and we just dumped it. So when, wow. so this was that first week that y'all did this or this is like a so week So we after? sat down on the 18th, that was Wednesday, and we started the first... Uh, service that Saturday. Okay, I, I want to pause this there because there there's a couple things. Your response to COVID, one, one, I felt like you you sort of set the stage of what everybody should be doing. You you did some really really neat things in a very 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 hard time. So I don't want to make light of how hard that was, but but two things in my mind were were really impressive. And and the first was how fast you pivoted, because even for us we didn't pivot that fast. Yeah. It. it most businesses were like, 
still in shock. And a lot of people just kind of put their heads down and like, I don't know, I guess I'll wait it out. I guess I'll wait and see, or I don't want to do anything. Felt A lot of people felt paralyzed, mm-hmm. but I was really blown away at how quickly like Bonnell's is your baby, you know, yep. those, the fun celebratory dishes are your babies. But I, you pivoted from those so fast. It was really emotionally hard to say these concepts have been abandoned. Mm-hmm. We're not, we're not doing fine dining. And it felt, it felt embarrassing that we had even done it. I, I, it felt wrong to, yeah. to even try. So we said, we're giving up everything we built. We're giving up the entire concept and we are going into emergency mode. But I felt, but so not to be like, you're like to, but, but I think it was impressive, but you, that's the right thing. You had to pivot. The businesses that pivoted survived. One of the things that happened during that meeting with Betsy Price too, is that she said, I'm going to have news that I have to give out to y'all designate one point person. Mm-hmm. Cause I, I can't answer all your phones and texts anymore. Obviously, you know, I want to, but yeah designate one and everybody was looking at me. So I got the email list for every restaurant I could find. I think the list is about 160, 170 businesses. And at that point I said, okay, here's what the mayor, and every time there was official news that came out of her office or Glenn Whitley's office or the governor's office, I would send that out. We started with that email the first time and it was a communication way of saying, hey, other restaurants, what are y'all going to do? Mm-hmm. So we all kind of got to sound off each other a little bit. Well, I'm just going to do to-go food. I'm going to take our catering truck out to the football stadium. We'll have them drive through there. Yeah. I'm going to do one of the – everybody got to at least communicate a little bit. Yeah. And some said, I'm throwing – I'm throwing this away. I'm going to lock it, lock the door with the keys and just say, when it's over, I'll start up again. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not going to do this. Everybody had their own plan and yeah. ours seemed like a great plan. I mean, we had no idea if anybody would show up. It could have yeah. been zero or it could have been overwhelming. Waters and Bonnells both. I said, look, family four pack for 40 bucks. We need to sell, first of all, every single thing we have in inventory. We got a lot of food here, and it's all perishable in different ways. Sell everything we've got. Some of the best meals we ever put out were the very beginning when we got expensive <laughs> stuff that we're giving away. But, you know, think about what we cooked for the TCU Stadium. Yeah. We were doing fajitas. We were doing barbecue. We can do high-volume stuff yeah. in a very, you know, quick way. Again, yeah. only four people cooking at each location. and That's impressive. Th- the very first day, I was like, man, I, I bought one of those signs. You know, you can rent a trailer sign that has the neon, yeah. and it says, you know, starting Saturday, yeah. come yeah. at 4 o'clock, and yeah. we'll have family meals. And I was like, okay, we'll put that up on the freeway. People will see it, and I'll get on Facebook. I don't know if it'll work or not. We'll, we'll at least try. And when I stuck my head out the door about 30 minutes before service, I was like, let me see if anybody's even out there. It was the most chaotic scene I've ever seen. There were cars <laughs> coming in from every single direction of the parking lot. There's like four or five different ways you can get in the parking lot. It was clogged, and everybody was nose to nose. And I was like, oh, my God, we are in so much trouble. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even know who to serve first. They were all blocking each other in. Yeah, I went yeah. to the very last pickup in line on Brian Irvin and served him so he could back out and leave. And then the guy behind him to back out and leave. We literally just spent the entire night selling to everybody in the parking lot one at a time and people were just waving their hands out their window like we were we've been over here a while yeah mm-hmm. we've been over here a while and it was the biggest mess ever yeah and when it was done we went in you know put up a, a sold out sign everybody had a couple more beers and we said we gotta come up with something more organized yeah, for tomorrow <laughs> yeah. the chick-fil-a line yeah <laughs> so 
But it oh, was it, you pivoted fast. You change you 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 changed what you were doing. You were like, what is what do people need? People need something for families and affordable. Mm-hmm. The the uh, other thing, like you, you mentioned, you threw it up on Facebook. I one of the reasons we we started Six Avenue Storytelling, the marketing company, is as is I, is I believe that I, we started it. We started like April twentieth yeah. last year. But I was like the the businesses that have a following or know how to build a following and know how to communicate to a following are the ones that are going to survive. And you, I, I feel like one, just going back to the generosity thing, my kind of first question was you have been serving up or not serving up, showing up, serving people for the past 20 years in the community. People know you trust you, you know, care about you. They, they know that the John cares. And two, you have always done a really, really, really good job of showing up, online like you you had built this big facebook following of just like here's the fish i got in here's <laughs> i will never underestimate the power of social media again i mean it was great like and you just i mean, i think i like what do you remember that first like post was what you what's that the the, the first one ever on facebook or the yeah. first one in the pandemic in the pandemic yeah 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 i i put up you know this is what Bonnells is going to be doing. And, and I just said our, our first menu will be, I think it was barbecue and, you know, barbecue, coleslaw, and it'll be $40 feeds for people. Please don't email us. Please don't call us. We're not answering any of those. Just show up in line. And, and, and hundreds of people were liking and, and, and sharing and it. They <laughs> did. I could not believe the response. And they showed up in bigger numbers than we could possibly handle. And yeah. mm-hmm. I felt bad that night. I put a huge apology up for everybody that tried to come get a, get a meal and we and we were out. I am just so sorry. Yeah. And Bud Kennedy came out and said, hey, these guys are busy. Y'all go somewhere else. I'm like, yeah, please do. Yeah. And that sparked the idea that, you know what? Ours is working. We're going to be okay. Yeah. I said, now that we're working and we're going to be okay, we got to try to help everybody else be okay too. Why not? Yeah. During the pandemic, all the restaurants ended up on the same team. All yeah. the independents were together on this. Yeah. And it was, it was good to see people helping each other out. Someone like Bailey's barbecue, who's been here since the thirties, downtown, an iconic spot. One person would email me and say, Hey, just so you know, Bailey's is having some trouble. They're really slow right now. Boom, put up one Facebook post. Hey, y'all go try Bailey's. If you hadn't been in a while, best barbecue sandwich you'll have. Mm-hmm. And then somebody else would share it and share it. And next thing you know, they're overwhelmed. Perfect. That's it. Mm-hmm. Parton's Pizza has been around since the 70s. Yeah, that's right. And if they were all of a sudden slow out of nowhere, other people would say, yes, y'all don't don't forget about Parton's. Remember that when you were a kid? When everybody started helping each other out, the big social network was really really powerful Mm -hmm. and hey we were doing great to be able to celebrate and try to help everybody else out to me that's what's fun about the culinary community in Mm -hmm. this town is that now everybody's part of the same thing yeah we're not just competitors the independents are are working together you yeah but you and you were kind of like the lead the leader in a a lot of that i had the email chain yeah you're the point (laughs) person you had to be yeah but you also had built this following on facebook you've been showing up for the 20 years before that. Well, I'm, I'm glad we're 20 there. years in and doing yeah. this. If this had happened in our second or third year of being open at Bonnell's, we would not have made it through. I don't yep. think there's any chance we would have but been able were, to do I just remember the lines. I remember right. I, we went a couple times. A couple times I tried to go and I was like, I'm abandoning yeah. ship. Yeah. I don't know if I'm that in mood for a $40 all the meal. Way, like, literally like up <laughs> all the way to Hewlin. Yeah. All the way to Hewlin. It was so bonkers. My nephew came by with a drone one day and and, and got a nice video all the way up the, up the line. That was kind of fun to see. Yeah. It, it was eerie to look at and see. We're in a quarantine here. The line went for over a mile and yet the freeway next to it. Hardly had a car no, there. driving by. Like, 
why is there nobody on the Chisholm Trail or on 183? Yeah. But uh, but yeah, we, you, you got through it. I felt like you sort of set the standard of here's how you handle it. I'm, and assuming that's what your and that's what your book is about. Your book. Kind that's of- it. How we got through it, and then all the crazy stories of the reopening. Everything. And right as we started reopening, that's when all the protests started. Oh, yeah. A very significant time in our history, also. Mm-hmm. While we were barely getting open, the protesting started happening, and we've got a downtown restaurant with a patio. So we didn't know how that was going to work. And then in February, when you normally get your biggest day of the year for Valentine's, we got the ice storm that knocked everything out. <laughs> right? God, <man. laughs> all yeah. this in one year. Yeah, that's man. right. You, yeah, we all. 2020. Ate. And then everybody wants to fight with each other on, should I wear a mask? Can they make me wear a mask? Okay, you had some crazy customers, right? <laughs> yeah. We did. That you handled, handled graciously. I'm, on glad, all, on all I'm glad that a lot of this was, was an online, let me think about it before I respond, yeah. instead of, you know, when someone's in your, in your face kind of thing. So, yeah. Again, it helps to have your social media established. Mm-hmm. And once you're there, you, you, there's, a lot, there's a lot you can do. Mm-hmm. But how to do it and... Um, but you, you know. did it in a very human way. Like it, it, it would never. It always felt like it's coming from a person that cares, which I think was part part of what was why it resonated with you. It felt very authentic. Even, sure. Even when you're like dealing with crazy man. Right. Yeah. <laughs> the, the people started using the term mask hole. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. So the, the, the one that everybody remembers the most, it just got the most comments, was somebody who he didn't want to wear a mask. And when someone reminded him, oh, don't forget, you need to wear a mask. He, you know, he threatened the person. He said, you know, I'll kick your ass if you think you're going to make me wear a mask. And we're like, whoa, 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 hold on. Yeah. I, we kicked him out, not yeah. because he didn't want to wear a mask, but because you, you can't threaten the staff. You can't yeah. be a mask hole. Oh, yeah, and yeah. and he, spent, he spent a few days really trying to get online and, and get some traction on no one can make us wear a mask. They can't. This is our freedom. Yeah. And I get it. I, I totally understand, but he, he just went days and days and kept trying to make this work, and it, it didn't get a lot of traction. Mm-hmm. And then that happened on a Friday night, and then on Monday morning, he said, all right, well, I'm going to start putting it on your Waters Facebook page. If I'm going to put it on your page, maybe people will see it. And I thought, all right, if, if, if this is what you want to do, there's <laughs> the audience on this side is probably going to see it differently, and it's a pretty big one. So I just yeah. hit the share button, and it just <laughs> – you, you could feel the wind uh, from the, yeah. the scroll of how many comments just kept coming. It was crazy how fast it happened, yeah. and he took it down really fast, but I had screenshot all of his stuff, so I put it all back up. and. What was really funny is, you know, we're all still kind of at home a lot, not going out much. I have friends who are like, you know what we do every night? My wife and I, at the end of the day, we open a nice bottle of wine, we sit down and have a glass, and we start reading aloud the comments from that script. This is the most entertaining <laughs> thing we've got going, just reading the comments one after that another. That's so good. <laughs> okay, so, so take, us, take, us to, take us to the future. What do you, yeah. you just announced a new concept. That's right, John's Grill. So, in the Aardvark. In the Aardvark location at TCU, right around Heck the corner yeah, from our first man. Buffalo Bros. Wow. So we are planning a burger concept. Um, it was supposed to open fall of 2020. Oh, really? We were with, had that for that long? Yeah. Well, oh, we were within a week of signing the lease. We, we'd gotten every, you know, every I dotted and T crossed. We're like, all right, let's do it. And then all of a sudden the news started happening. And honestly, I... I forgot about it. We hadn't signed the lease, but I really forgot about it. And a few months later, the agent calls and says, I don't know, I, I probably know the answer to this, but do you even want to do this anymore? Yeah. And I said, you know what? Absolutely. But is the landlord willing to let us 
push it off because we don't i don't yeah. know if we can keep the places we have much less yeah. open something new yeah. yeah and the landlord has been extremely patient coming out of COVID, finally said all right now let's talk about it mm -hmm. and so we're doing this deal and we have the lease signed and we're ready to go we're we're picking a contractor probably this week and burgers wow. and burgers is the concept my brother and i have been running some cattle we want to yeah, do bonnell ranch beef right you told me that oh you started gosh, a cattle awesome. line yeah we started our cattle herd <laughs> Bonnell's Ranch Beef is what it's called. Bonnell Ranch Beef. Did you did you have a ranch? Do you have a ranch? My brother lives on a ranch down in Toller. So you're like, let's buy some. He cows. has all <laughs> kinds of time. He he is like the laziest guy. He and his wife are both physicians. He's a professor of medicine. He is a doctor for kids at two different prisons in Texas, and oh, wow. he's got eight kids. Oh, oh my God! So you know he just he never oh, yeah. does anything. He's, he's got, got time. He's got to the just... ADHD thing going too. Yeah, he's just smarter than me. It's yeah. a banal. I, like I went to vocational school and he went to med school, right? Wow. It's okay, so y'all. So he's got the cattle on his property down in okay. Toller, right outside Granbury. Okay. So and close. what we decided to do as a breed for, we, you know, there's lots of cows out there, and how do you separate yourself? We started with the high end. We want the heart healthy stuff the healthiest beef you can get from the doctor's side, and I want the the tastiest stuff from the restaurant side. Okay. So the doctor-chef combo thing, what we what we came to was we're going to use Akiyushi, one of the Japanese breeds. Mm -hmm. So we bought... So it's like fatty. And it, it marbles up. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. But it's got a lot of those omega-6s, so it's a healthier fat. Okay. So Akiyushi bull, 100%, and we went and bought our first one know before pandemic uh -huh. and we're breeding it to red angus cows so it's a it's a red bull and red cows are pretty cool looking and they do really well on grass we're trying to do grass start to finish until the very end yep. when we're going to get them on some free choice um custom grain blends yep. that will let them marble up at the end but we can do that in the field where they're not going to a feedlot that's yeah. where the unhealthy oh, yeah. stuff happens yep, for the right. most part we don't inject them with anything they don't need mm -hmm. so they don't get all kinds of extra growth hormones or not getting unnecessary antibiotics so you're gonna make, are you gonna use the steaks too are you gonna we're gonna that? use the steaks right at bonnell's and waters i mean as simple as ribeyes strips and tenders uh, are you gonna sell the meat can you get can you like sell the meat or like you're just well First things we're, we're, first. Okay, okay, sorry. I'm, I'm getting excited here. I'm Slow like, down, I wanna, cowboy. I buy some. Give us a slab of that. Yeah. So we've already we, we we processed our first two steers and sold oh, everything at Bonnells and Waters, and it was fantastic. We're very excited. Right. We got a lot of really big, fat, ready-to-go cows, and we're behind on the restaurant. So okay, um, we will get this going. All the glory cuts, the ribeyes and tenderloins are, are like 11 percent of the cow. Oh yeah. So we're gonna grind the rest, and that yeah. will be our burger joint. Man. So it should be an amazing true, grind. True, 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 like farm to table. Farm to and table likes, from our ranch to your place. Wow. The same way that we're growing as much produce as we can at Bonnell's and serving that at Bonnell's and Waters. We want to have a meat source that we truly believe in because we've we've been with these animals the entire time. Yeah. We, we know the history. Yeah, that is exciting. Yeah, it's as, as healthy as it could be, and we think it's going to be a great product. The burger place will be all based on that. So our our own beef, we're, we're really That's excited. So That's so cool. cool. I'm pumped about that. And when, when is that going to open? We are looking at probably May or June of, uh, of this next year. Okay. And if anybody remembers the old John's Grill, yeah. John yeah, Meyerson. I grew up going oh, to John's Grill. He was up. a friend of mine. I really I really miss that guy. He, he passed away just after we had opened Bonnell's and was always one of those iconic figures. When you went yeah. to John's Grill, you saw John. He was yeah, there. He was there. Just love that guy, and we've got a portrait of him, and we're gonna gonna tip the hat a little bit because he knew how to spell his name J O N also. Yeah, yeah. So you know, it's a it's a a little bit of a tribute to a past friend, but it's gonna be on the, more of a more on the chefy side this time. 
We got a lot that we're going to In the aardvark, I mean. Oh, yeah. So that that's where I grew up playing. I mean, all of our earliest concerts were, um, that's a, the, the first time I went to aardvark, I was like 15, 16, like some of our first concerts. That's, that's so, I, so you iconic. couldn't have actually gotten in with an ID through the front door, but you can play no, on the stage. I went, yeah. my, I went with my dad. Like we went to these nice. blues, blues jams, and John. So John was actually a, a guitar player. And oh no, kidding! John yeah, Myerson played. Yeah, John Myerson was a guitar player. The guy I took guitar lessons from, Dave Millsap, was friends with him, and so I think we had done some. That and that's why we loved John's because he he was a guitar player. We'd always talk guitar stuff. But I grew up going to the Aardvark and playing at the Aardvark, and and so it was very formative for Green River Ordinance. That's so cool. When when we heard that that space was available, I couldn't wait to go and look at the spot. Mm-hmm. I hadn't been in forever, but you know, last time I went, we were we were watch, watching a band drinking beer at the bar, yeah. and yeah. when I got there and we looked at it, I thought, oh boy. Um, it needs some, some more. Yeah, some since the hop and and the aardvark, it, it's been abused a little bit. So it, it really needs a complete and total redo. It's been sad sitting yeah. there. It, it sat for a while. What's the vibe going to be like inside? Um, it'll it'll kind of feel like a little more upscale than the old Johns. We're not going to graffiti the walls yeah. so much, but we're putting on a rooftop patio bar also. So really? uh, there'll be something up cool. on, on top of the roof looking over right across from the bookstore. That ought to be pretty neat. That's neat. We're going to have a lot of beer taps in there, a handful of TVs so you can watch your games. <laughs> not of, as many as 93. Not quite as many as the big Buffalo Bros, but it'll be a great play for sports. We may have a little spot for a bit of live entertainment up on the roof once in a while. And um, lots of local beers on tap for sure. That's that's awesome. Well, man, that I'm burgers and brisket. We're gonna do a little barbecue there too. All right. I'm getting hungry. I know. I, I really am. I'm like, man, I want that burger right now. It's my job. I know. I want to try those those the beef. Okay, we're, I want some some lightning round questions. We're gonna yeah, let's do it. Take us to oh boy. Take us to just uh, some some. <laughs> we got the whole story, which is a impressive impressive story. Uh, what's the best meal you've ever had? Do you have one? Streamside lunch in Alaska with my brother, my dad, and my nephew. We just caught an Arctic char. And the guy already has the fire going and he's doing, he's got a little splash of white wine, lemon and butter and salt, puts it in foil and we're still fishing. He's like, all right, lunch is ready. Oh man. It's not just about the way something tastes. It's the entire experience. The so, air that's is right. hitting, yeah. yeah. And there's, there's a bear like downstream catching fish. <laughs> I mean, all of it oh together. Gosh. That's like best meal, most memories. That's, that's oh, great stuff. Good, great answer. I love that. Okay. I got one. What is the worst meal that you've ever served that you biggest regret at one any, any restaurant? One of our, like one I of will... our curbside meals that we served, somebody took a picture of it and sent it and said, "What the hell?" <laughs> one of the things we were doing is uh, we'd use pastry bags and and we ran out of pastry bags. So we were using plastic wrap and making pastry bags just to pipe mashed potatoes into containers because it's it, the hardest part about doing these meals was the packaging part. And we were doing it, and somehow one of the huge hunks of plastic ended up in the potato. Somebody takes a bite of mashed potatoes, and there's a big wad of just plastic in there. Uh-huh. Okay. And, I mean, I, I cannot apologize enough. We just mortified. handed you potatoes with a bunch of plastic. That's, that's embarrassing as could be. Um, obviously, you're getting your money back, or you can get another free meal. And that person came back the next day said, hey, don't worry about it. Not a big deal. I don't expect anything free and tip like crazy. But what's the worst menu item that you've ever put that you're like, I regret. People hated it. I regret putting this on the menu because. At Waters, we had somebody in the original restaurant that said, I live upstairs and my wife and I would love to come all the time, but she does not eat seafood. Do one completely different that is not seafood whatsoever. And we had made some of these little hush puppies and I kind of made some carnitas and we sort of did those together. And. 
the writer for the Dallas Morning News, uh-huh. said, all I can say about that dish is, chef, what the hell were you thinking? <laughs> Arnita's hush puppy? That is the biggest food writer in the area gave us a one-star review. And did you, were you like, I agree with him. Like, or were you like, whatever, man, that was I mean, good. I, all the flavors I thought tasted great, and we did it for one specific That's customer, yeah. and we got absolutely roasted by the biggest paper <laughs> and the biggest oh, food man. writer. Oh, my gosh. And uh, we're still in business. There yeah. you go. Heck, yeah. That okay. is. <laughs> uh, okay, quick, quick question. Have you ever had someone in the restaurant or, or that you served that you, like, made your geeked out on? Because you're like, I can't believe they're here. I'm... <laughs> Uh, you were talking about movie premieres earlier. We yeah. got to do the movie premiere for American Sniper, and um, I had actually been friends with Chris, with Chris Kyle before he passed mm-hmm. away, and so Taya invited me to come do the movie premiere in Dallas, and Bradley Cooper was there, so that was kind of fun to get to hang out in the green room with him a little bit. Nuh-uh. Yeah. Got to cook fun. for two presidents, a couple of governors. Lots you cooked of... for two presidents? Uh-huh. Really? Yep. Carter and Bush. Wow. Dang, dude. It's pretty fun. I have gotten to do some amazing stuff that I had never thought cooking would get me involved yeah. in. Yeah. Um, right, right before the pandemic, I got invited to go fly with the Thunderbirds. I got to fly in an F-16. Oh, my Just gosh. crazy Did cool stuff. Did you pass stuff. out? No, that was my whole goal. I didn't want to pass out. <laughs> I didn't want to throw up, and I didn't want to crap myself. And I, I made it. Three, three for three. I, yeah. I made it. All right. We pulled nine Gs. That's I got a whole new respect for those guys, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, you grew up with the Food Network, right? What's your favorite cooking show that's on air right now? Oh, man. You might not get to watch. I don't think you probably have watched TV in 20 years, but All right. if the, you have. The old Japanese version of Iron Chef is oh, the yeah. greatest ever. Okay. I can still watch those all the time. Were you ever on? You were on the Iron no, Chef. No, we didn't do Iron Chef. But. Is that something, would you go on any, would you go on Iron Chef now or would you go on Chopped or anything like that? Probably not the competition shows yeah. because honestly, those are more about creating dramatic television yeah. than and the old original ones were a little different, but most of the time we've been invited to be on a lot like the Beat Bobby Flay and those. Uh-huh. And there's not a lot that, that I can benefit from those anymore. They're going to ask you to be up there for four or five days. You're spending out of pocket to go and do it. Yeah. And you know, it's, they have as much fun making you look bad as making you look good, depending uh-huh. on how the show's going. So I, I, I'm not scared to do them. I just don't know that it helps us anymore. When we first started, I would do any single TV show they ever asked. They're a blast. But yeah. uh, Where it's like if you beat them on the episode, then yeah. it's great. But if you don't, you're like, well, this didn't make me look and good. And you don't really need you've had And they don't need to at this and point. And if, if you watch, they always want a dramatic story. Yeah. They would ask, like, tell let, let's find out about when your mom died and let's work that in. Yeah. They always want to yeah, find yeah. something that is, oh, it's huge. Negative. I'm like, yeah. I'm like, you know, I, is, is that worth creating kind of a, a an imaginary storyline or something? Or are we, yeah. are we cooking? Yeah. yeah. You don't need to at this point. The, 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 dra- the drama game shows are yeah. a little outside of what I think I want to do. Okay. Do you, original, do you, original Iron Chef. That's good. Do you, do you have any, any like sayings or expressions or core values that you say a lot that are, that are like John-isms? Is there like, oh man. One thing we tell the staff all the time is we spend more time with each other than we do our own families. Treat each other with respect. Mm. Nobody personally belittles each other. We don't absolutely go to town on another person not when we're working because yeah. you you see these kitchens at yep. least on TV, you see these kitchens on tv and it's a rough place people yelling at each I mean, other the entire concept of hell's kitchen right gordon yeah. ramsay screaming and yelling and yeah. throwing food yeah I, I mean in my kitchen if somebody walked up to a cook with a plate and poured that plate of food on their chef jacket i would expect that cook and i'd be standing right behind him to turn around and punch that guy in the face Heck yeah. and he would deserve it yeah they celebrate that 
it makes great dramatic television. But if that were to happen in one of my places, I'd, that that would be the end of uh, of, of that particular employee. Mm -hmm. Dude, someone throws fruit on you. That's like fight 101 right there. It, it's the most insulting thing you can do to a chef to yeah. just automatically destroy their whites and oh, right, that's man. that's sacred stuff you don't do it yeah it'd be like taking their chef's knife and starting to chop through a bone with it and chipping their knife that mm. you don't do that <laughs> that's like the yeah it's like fighting words Wait, wh why why do chefs wear white clothes uh, it goes way way back it's it, i don't know the color white why but we always have this like, double breast so dirty huh. it, it was it was Double breasted in this huge jacket to protect yourself from the fire. So oh, you, the heat. yeah, you're protected from the heat. That's where, you know, but over time, they taught us in culinary school how to keep yourself clean while working and that it was more of a sign of respect when you go to the table that, hey, look at the chef. I mean, he's yeah. back there working. He must really know what he's doing. He's not covered in sauce. Oh, interesting. Okay. Huh. I like that. Yeah. I'm just picturing like. <laughs> so you treat your knives, your whites, your, you treat all. You know, the stuff that yeah. you work with every day with a certain manner of respect. Wow. And you're cooking. That's impressive. Um, I got one more. Okay. Favorite meal to cook at home? Favorite meal to cook at home? Yeah, for the family. September 1st, take the kids dove hunting right off the bat. Dove, panko crusted. We fry it very quickly and do a little sauce with uh, sage, whole grain mustard sauce. Sage, whole grain mustard. Sage sauce. and whole grain mustard. Oh, yeah. With your panko that's, fried That's a little dove. dip. Panko fried dove breast. We cut the breast off the yep, bone. Off the bone. My son will clean him with me. He's 10. He got a couple this year. My yep. daughter nice. got a few as well. And when we've gone out in the field and we cook something, that that to me is the, is the greatest. So you do um, it in the field? Oh, we clean them in the field and then we, bring yeah, we come back yeah. and, and cook for the family. Love it. Um, That's fun. Usually for Thanksgiving, the last three years, my daughter's gotten a buck. So the last three years, we've done venison meatballs for Thanksgiving and mm. wild turkey. So Oh, yeah. cool. These are fun. That's right. Yeah. Start to finish from field all the way through. I love that. Favorite meal. That's, That's those, awesome. Those are good. Can you ask your legacy question? You always ask about legacy. Yeah, I just, I mean, I think that at the end, you know, we, we talk to people that have, have made it a lot of times right and we want to hear the nitty-gritty and the raw stuff of like when you've almost failed when you almost gave up you know that type of stuff because that kind of is what has, has brought you to this place of success typically and but then you know you're looking back typically we talk to people and they're they're kind of at a spot in their career where it's like okay we're always doing something new but there's also a, this time where it's like okay i'm reflecting a little bit of what i've done proud of what i've done um and, but now it's kind of like you're getting to the spot of like, what do I want to be remembered for? Whenever people think of John Bonnell, like, what is this legacy? What does, what has he, what has he done for the city? What has he done? What do you want to be remembered for? What does that, what does that look like for you now? It might not, you might not have an answer for that, but. That's a tough one. Um, yeah. I hope it's that during the time that I was part of it, that the culinary community came together and that mm. we all ended up on the same page. Yeah. When I think about, you know, 20, 30 years ago and what the culinary scene looked like and where it is today, mm -hmm. all the different cuisines we've got, nobody comes to Fort Worth on a vacation and comes back and says, man, they have the best Chick-fil-A. I love Chick-fil-A. There's nothing wrong with it. But yeah. the independent mom and pops, the soul of the town, all your little, your little places that are independently run, that is growing by leaps and bounds. And we're mm -hmm. developing a character of the cuisine of the city right now. And I, I hope that I'm a part of that one day when they look back. Yeah, that's cool. I think that's that, I, think they, I think they will say you were a part of bringing everybody together. Absolutely. Too. I mean, growing up in the 70s and 80s here, you went to the Swiss house, you went to the London house, the country clubs were known for their food. There were very, a Max house, there were very European restaurants. Mm -hmm. Now there is so much more. I, I saw my first sushi, like at the Japanese palace in like the mid to late 80s. Mm -hmm. yeah. I mean, 
it doesn't feel like that long ago to me now that I'm 51 years old, but really it's a, it's a short amount of time with how much the food scene has changed. The entire game has changed in this town. Mm. It's awesome to see. Mm. That's if, good. If you could, final, final question for you. If you could give your younger self any bit of advice or, you, or maybe just a, even a younger person who wants to do sort of what you, what, what advice would you go back and give? Don't go with the lowest bidder. Don't go with the <laughs> lowest bidder. You'll pay for that forever. Uh, that's um, good. That is good. That's good. I'm assuming this. Yeah, is and buy Bitcoin. There. Yeah, <laughs> buy Bitcoin yeah. Yeah. from the very beginning. And oh Tesla. Oh my gosh, I wish. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, John, thanks for coming on the sh on the uh, show. Is it, yeah, is this has been show? fun. Yeah, podcast. Yeah, show? It's podcast. Thanks for coming <laughs> yeah. on our podcast show. Yeah, <laughs> works yeah, for right. me. Uh, so, if, 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 to to get the new book, is it on? Is it on Amazon? Yeah, or we have it at our website. Um, it's the only time I've ever undercut Amazon. Yes, Amazon has it. There's a Kindle edition that's like seven bucks, but it's oh. twenty five at uh, bonnellsrestaurant.com on our oh, website. Cool. Okay, and we've got them at Bonnells and Waters too. We got plenty awesome. of copies. Awesome, that's awesome. And you can find every like you, you can Google Google Bon. You know, there's a Bonnells. Yep. Bonnellsrestaurantgroup.com. Restaurant, okay. That branches down into all the separate um, websites from Bonnell's Restaurant to Waters Restaurant, Buffalo Brothers. Um, right now we're doing Thanksgiving orders online, cookbook orders, all that kind of stuff. So, okay, cool, man. Well, thanks for coming. This is great. Absolutely. Thank you all. All righty. Congratulations. You made it all the way to the end. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of Stories with Soul. If you enjoyed the interview and like what you heard, please help us out and share, subscribe, and like anywhere you listen to podcasts. When you share and subscribe, it is insanely helpful and allows us to keep producing new episodes. You can always join us directly in the studio by watching the video version on our website, 6thavstorytelling.com. Stories with Soul is brought to you by 6 Ave Storytelling and organic marketing company building standout brands on the foundation of story. You're obsessed with your business and we want to make the world obsessed with it too. Thanks for listening.